Remember when they asked Jeb Bush if he could go back in time and kill Hitler as a baby? Would he do it? And he's like, I would kill oh, that yeah. baby. I'd curb stomp baby Hitler. <laughs> I would kill that baby. <laughs> How did I he, would how did he not baby get Hitler across the room. It's like, he's, oh, I'd kill that you baby. Did, you wouldn't, like, nobody else would know. <laughs> Completely out of context, here comes poor Jeb, low energy, and just kicks this baby. Roundhouse kick to the face. <laughs> like, dude, you just kicked Adolf across the room. What's no, he's going to be a megalomaniac one day. How do you know? No, trust me. I can't. I, you just killed our baby. No, 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 no. I killed Hitler. Randy Bellman and the DVE Morning Show. Five minutes and 15 seconds into the first overtime. Pass for Crosby. At the blue line, lost it. Here come the Capitals. Lead pass. Kuznetsov might have a chance. Walks in on goal. Shoots it. And is it in? It is. Kuznetsov has scored against Murray. And the Washington Capitals have won this game 2-1. to one, And they will win the series against the Penguins as Evgeny Kuznetsov coming right down the alley. Gave a couple of moves. Went to the forehand. He finishes. And the Caps have won it. By the score of two to one. Oh, and with hey. that, the hopes and dreams of the Penguins and their fans for a three-peat squashed. Uh, heel to the balls. <laughs> and Chris Letang was on the ice for that goal, but oh, uh, he did get a goal last night. So Dumoulin left shot right side, Letang right shot left side, and if State can win this faceoff clean like he did last time, it's a quick pass to Letang for the one-timer. And Dumoulin to him again. Another shot. He scores on this one. Same exact place. And the Penguins have tied this game at one. How much fried chicken can you eat? Chris Letang ties it for Pittsburgh. And that would be the only goal for the Penguins last night. Capitals win 2-1, win the series 4-2. They will move on to face the Tampa Bay and the Lightning. And I hope they get swept. <laughs> So do I. <laughs> I just, I, I hate uh, that team. Yeah, me too. I, you know, I'm trying to be a good sportsman and uh, a good fan and say, oh, congratulations. No, I you just, don't have to do that. I hate them. You could just appreciate what the Penguins have given us this season and the last two seasons, For but sure. still hate the Capitals. It's, cr- isn't it crazy <laughs> to think that, you know, you build up this this tolerance or, or this confidence in your team where you think, well, you know, they'll they'll bring it around. They'll bring it around. They'll they write the it. ship. They'll write the rudder, and you know, they're nobody's going to beat them because I haven't seen anybody beat them in the last two years. But this team was just playing loosey goosey at times and giving up breakaways, and I just thought, man, this is not going to go well no, not- in the long term. So Mike Pursuit are going to have a lot more this morning as we say goodbye to the Penguins for the summer. And uh, I don't know, still still a great season and made it to the second round, and, oh, which, yeah. it, which is something some teams dream of. Right. But making it past the second round is it, pretty much the Capitals' Stanley Cup. Yeah. They were in tears last night pretty much on the ice. Because Barry Trotz has never made it to the third round either. He's been in the NHL 19 seasons. And I was skimming through stuff pretty quick this morning, but I saw one headline that said some of the Penguins don't know losing in the playoffs, which is unbelievable to to think. All those young kids, Matt Murray. (laughs) So It's the first playoff series Matt Murray's lost in his career. 
So we'll hear from Mike at the bottom of the hour. Here's the Channel 11 Severe Weather Center forecast brought to us by Dormont Appliance. There's Center 11. It's 54 degrees now at DVE. I'm Val Porter. Children will be a key focus of Melania Trump's time as First Lady. I'm very excited to announce Be Best, an awareness campaign dedicated to the most valuable and fragile among us, our children. Speaking in the White House Rose Garden yesterday, the First Lady expressed concerns about the future of America's children. She cited bullying and drug addiction and outlined a new campaign called Be Best. The First Lady noted that the campaign will focus on the social, emotional, and physical health of children. She said Be Best aims to help kids deal with problems. Children can be less prepared to express or manage their emotions and oftentimes turn to forms of destructive or addictive behavior. A key focus will be to teach children proper behavior on social media. Might want to start at home. Uh, President Trump watched his wife outline her initiative in the Rose Garden event. He said the nation is blessed to have Melania Trump as first lady. He also signed a Be Best proclamation. Be Best. (laughs) Even her (laughs) campaigns are in proper English. (laughs) What the hell does Be Best mean? I don't know. I want you to be best. Be your best? (laughs) I'm busy. I don't know. I'm like busy, you know? It's like I'm being best. (laughs) In other uh, kid-related news, today is a great day to let teachers know just how much you appreciate them because because it is National Teacher Day. Uh, Teachers oftentimes one of the main people in a child's life that molds them into the adult they later become. As part of a larger effort to recognize all that teachers do, many places are offering teachers freebies today. Several chain restaurants, including Chipotle, are offering deals to educators. Bookstores like Barnes & Noble and supply stores like Costco also offering deals. The National Education Association reports that on average, teachers work about 52 hours a week, 30 on instruction, 22 hours devoted to lesson prep and grading. The average annual base salary for a full-time public school teacher is just over $53,000 a year. God bless the teachers. It's just not enough. I could we should n- be paying them six figures. Right. I know a lot of teachers, and I could never do it. No. A lot of them have to buy their own supplies. Yeah. Yep. It's it's crazy the hours they put in and the, the personal commitment they put in the the financial commitment they put in i can't remember was it i think it was in oklahoma um and they've been uh, striking there i believe but Mm -hmm. uh, how old the textbooks are that like blake shelton had signed one of the books as a student and how old is he (laughs) i I mean how much changes in all that time god i know there's nothing there's nothing more important for for a kid that's that's growing up than to have good teachers. Yes. So thank you, teachers. An award-winning wildlife photographer is dead after what his film company calls a fatal run-in with a giraffe in South Africa. Carlos Carvalho was filming a feature at a game lodge last week when a giraffe headbutted him. Ah. The giraffe slammed its head into his head. He was flown to a Johannesburg hospital where he died. The lodge says Carvalho had been briefed on safety but got a little too close to the giraffe. 47-year-old won awards at the 2003 Cannes Film Festival and the 2014 African Movie Academy Awards. I mean, I've seen, like, I've watched enough animal fight videos where I've seen giraffes kick people, 
like not kick people, but kick a lion, mm-hmm. the strength that they have just in their legs is ridiculous. I can't they're, imagine what that head. They're a big animal. Coming down on you. According to a new survey, 52% of Americans wear jeans the majority of the week. If I had to dress up every day, <laughs> it would be awful. What would you even wear? Would you wear... Slacks. Slacks? <laughs> Pantsuits? Pantsuits, yep. <laughs> yeah, I wear jeans five days a week. I, I wear them seven. Yeah, every, all seven days, yeah, huh? Maybe some sweatpants <laughs> thrown in there at home, but... 22% wear jeans every day. Uh, America's favorite jeans... I was kind of surprised that they're they're still so big. Levi's. Oh, really? Yeah, they're a classic. After that, it was Lee, Wranglers, Gap, and American Wranglers. Eagle Outfitters. Isn't doesn't uh, Brett Favre is he Lee or oh, Wranglers? Yeah. No, he's Wranglers. He's Wranglers. Yeah, he and, uh, he he plays pickup football in Wranglers. I have to go buy new jeans today. Why? Because. Mine are all so old. They're ripped and they're not supposed to be. Oh, man. It's not (laughs) ironically ripped. Oh, dear Lord. It goes the whole thing. How'd you split the half thigh? It goes from seam to seam. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's time for a new pair. Mama needs a new pair of jeans. Yeah, two are unintentionally ripped, so I gotta I gotta do some shopping today. Uh, and jeans, it doesn't matter what party you are. You love well, you kind of like jeans. Fifty percent of Democrats and fifty four percent of Republicans say they wear jeans at least four days a week. A New York man is in trouble for allegedly trying to rob a fast food restaurant through the drive through window. Which does make for a quicker getaway, but police say Francis Ellis drove up to a Taco Bell in Hempstead Saturday and jumped into the drive through window. They say he grabbed an employee, then tried to take the cash register, but took off when he couldn't get the register to break free, which is tough if you're reaching in through the window, I guess. <laughs> right. Uh, to make matters worse, he actually got busted when he was recognized after a traffic violation. He was then taken into custody. It's always the, the traffic violation. Yep. Driving too slow, burnout, taillight. Mm-hmm. Uh, his charges include grand larceny and burglary. A new study by adult toy shop EdenFantasies.com found 40% of Americans would have sex with a robot at least once. Got to try it. Give it a shot. Yeah. 16%. Take her for a spin. Right. 16% would do it frequently. <laughs> I'm guessing those are single people. Uh, Not surprisingly, men, 21%, more likely to say they would do it with a robot. Here's the thing. Like, that's going to become uh, a more prevalent thing. Well, yeah, with artificial intelligence becoming more popular and... But I think that people like, being more isolated, husbands are going to start to, you know, frustrated <laughs> husbands are going to start to buy them. But then wife, wives are going to be like, you know, you can't keep that thing in the house. So you're going to have to keep it out in the shed with the lawnmower <laughs> the shed. Just put it in the lawnmower seat if you ever ride it. <laughs> uh, the most extensive exhibition celebrating the music of Pearl Jam is set to debut during the Seattle band's hometown shows. Organized by the Museum of Pop Culture in collaboration with the band and its 10 club, Pearl Jam Home and Away opens to the general public on August 11th and will remain on view until early 2019. Meanwhile, Pearl Jam set to play Seattle's Safeco Field on August 8th and 10th, and both shows are sold out.
Finally, Queen and Adam Lambert have signed on for a September residency in Las Vegas, dubbed the Crown Jewels. It'll be staged at the Park Theater at Park MGM for 10 performances from September 1st to the 22nd. The September 8th show lands on Queen Day in Las Vegas, which former Mayor Oscar Goodman declared in 2004. In announcing the shows, Brian May says we're ready to take on the ultimate challenge to dazzle Las Vegas. Uh, Of course, it was in Las Vegas in 2013 at the iHeartRadio Music Festival that Queen and Lambert did a one-off nine-song set that led the way to uh, them touring together off and on ever since. Partly sunny, chance of rain, mid-70s for the high today. It's 54 now at DVE. I'm Val Porter with Bill Crawford and Mike Brasuda. Randy off one more day. He'll be back tomorrow. Will Graves, uh, hockey writer for the Associated Press, he's going to join us at 745. Brian Metzer from the Penguins Radio Network. Jason Mackey at 915. All those guys talking the end of the Penguins season. What they did right, right, what they did wrong, what we can look forward to. Or maybe it's too early to ask what uh, what happens moving forward, but we'll talk with those guys. And from Spinal Tap, mm-hmm. Derek Smalls. Not Harry Shearer. No, Derek, Derek Smalls. Smalls. Uh, he'll be joining us on the show at 845. He's got a brand new solo record out. That's right. Uh, and so we'll talk to him about that and... And life as a rock star, an aging rock star. And he's excited got a, to have him on the show. He's got a show coming up. Well, that's, uh, yeah, it was set for June 27th with the symphony. It's been postponed, but they're going to reschedule that at some point. So, uh, but we'll talk to him about coming to Pittsburgh and all kinds of stuff. It'll be nice to not talk about the Penguins for a break because <laughs> that was kind of, oh man, that just ripped my heart out last night. But do you feel like me when, whenever the Penguins lose, I feel like, all right, that sucks, but they've released me. Yes, I can have exactly, my life back a little bit. It's exactly how I felt because I, I thought I don't have to be even more sleep deprived than normal until mid June. Right, because they've taken it deep for <laughs> yeah. three years. And I remember last year after the finals thinking, "Oh, I don't think I can do this another year." I thought that they were bit. They had a shot. I mean, they well, were built yeah, for it. Absolutely. I'm anxious to to find out what's wrong with Phil Kessel. Yeah, it's going to come out today. He has a ruptured spleen. Yeah, now they'll tell what's really wrong with people. Two broken ankles. uh, I did what you suggested and changed things up a little. Yeah. I went down in the basement to watch the game. Okay. Tim stayed upstairs. And then I went upstairs after the loss, and he's like, are you you sad? (laughs) (laughs) Was he upset? Yes. You know what he was, but it was more like they gave us two two Stanley Cups. Yeah, can't win every year. It was a great season. It's hard to be greedy, uh, right. After after what they've just given us. Yeah, and I think based on social media, that's how a lot of people feel. I'm more pissed off that they lost to the Capitals yes. than that they lost. I could have gone one more one more series. I wouldn't have mind if the happy. pens got swept by the lightning. <laughs> Just to knock out the cap I hate the Capitals. Yeah, me too. I hate them, but they, they just they played better. Oh, that bird celebration. Oh. oh, I wanted somebody to go over and slash him right on his forearm. <laughs> no. Uh I just I hate that team. They played better than us. If you look at their score sheet, their secondary scoring was way more diverse than the the penguins and, and that's ultimately what it came down big to big names oh yeah you know so i and i don't hate tampa bay so i i'm 
I'll be cheering for them. No, I'm rooting for JT Miller, yeah. And Chris Kunitz, too. So, Uh, Mike Pursuta has sports coming up at the bottom of the hour. He'll talk at uh, length in detail about what happened last night with the Penguins and the Capitals. It's a DVE morning show. Hmm. (sighs) He has never tasted it as a Penguins coach. Yeah. So, uh... Unfortunate Penguins lose last night to the Capitals. They advanced to take on Tampa Bay. First time in almost two decades, or you know, I think it was 89. Is that right? Mm-hmm. No, 99. Is that right? What? Since, the, Since the, they went to the playoffs? Since the Caps went to the conference final? Yes. Or the conference final. Yeah, that's what I meant. Well, they beat the Pens in 94. 1998. First time to advance past the second round. First time for Ovi. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's a tough one to swallow, but it's not brutal. quite as tough because we have two cups the last two years. So <laughs> makes it, uh, I guess we can let our tears drip on it. <laughs> but uh, Mike Pursuit is up next. He's got a full sports report uh, talking all about the game. That's next. DVE. DVE Sports. <sighs> Anything else? Just That's a, all for right now. Just a sigh. That's all for right now. <laughs> I'm Mike Pursuta for DV Sports, brought to you this hour by Xfinity from Comcast. Stop me if you've heard this one before. The Penguins turned the puck over at the offensive blue line and gave up an odd man rush. In this instance, a breakaway to Evgeny Kitsnetsov. In this instance, it was a Sidney Crosby turnover that jump-started the Caps' counterattack, and in this case, it was Kitsnetsov scoring through the five-hole on Matt Murray. He likes that five-hole. As he had done to tie Game 5 this time. It won Game 6 for the Capitals 2-1 to one in overtime, and it won the series for the Capitals 4 games to 2. Here's Sid the Kid. Yeah, I just... I, was, I got a piece of it and then tried to get it again, and... They transition pretty quick, but uh, yeah, obviously I would have liked to handle that cleanly. It wouldn't be going back the other way if I did. Yeah, it started with the Penguins breaking out aggressively. Crystal Tang, a long pass to Crosby, and he couldn't handle it cleanly initially. Uh, Kuznetsov got a poke at it. Crosby, as he was getting it back in the Capitals' end, defenseman Dmitry Orlov kind of swatted it away from Crosby, and it went right to Alex Ovechkin, and Ovechkin noticed that uh, both... Chris Letang and Brian Dumoulin, the Penguins defenseman, were outside the dots, uh, too close to the boards. You know, the face-off dots uh, outside of, uh, each blue line. Mm-hmm. Letang and Dumoulin were, were wide of those. Dumoulin was up at the offensive blue line at the time, and the Capitals quickly had man to puck to Kuznetsov, and he did the rest. Kind of play that uh, hurt the Penguins all season, and uh, in the end it ended their season. Yeah, it's kind of fitting it ended on a breakaway, isn't it, Mike? It is. And uh, kind of a revealing uh, instance a couple moments before, uh, Tom Kuhnackle of the Penguins got a great look in overtime and clanged one off the post. Oh. Uh, that, that, that could have ended it. Kuznetsov did end it, but the Caps defenseman and former Penguins stalwart Brooks Orpik realized how close – his team had come to having to play a game seven. Even the last couple of years, I mean, the series were so tight, and um, this one obviously you get to overtime and they hit the post there. Could not go hit the post. Uh, this could have been going to a game seven um, just as well as, as some of those other years, you know. So I, I think 
Yeah, I mean, it's, I think both teams have a lot of respect for each other. When you get in long series like this, I think both teams know it can go either way, and, and you definitely need some luck on your side, and obviously we got that with the, with the shot off the post. I do still love Brooks Orpik. Yeah. I talked to him for about five minutes last night. He kept mentioning that Kuhnackle hitting the post every question. Dodged a bullet. Yeah, I mean, I mean that was were, that was that was the game winner right there. And they, I mean, he he wasn't beating his chest. I don't think any of those guys were. In terms of, yeah, we finally beat Pittsburgh. Screw that. You know, they were they were pushed to sigh of relief. Pushed of hard. Course. Yeah, they were relieved. But uh, you got to take your hat off to them, Bill. You're you're free to hate them, and uh, you know, continue to do so. But uh, they went on the road last night and won a game without Nicholas Backstrom. Andre Burkowski and Tom Wilson, three of their top six forwards. And they found a way to get it done. No, it's incredible. I'll take my hat off. They found the video. Throw it at them. (laughs) Not handed to them. Just because I hate them. I hate them. No, they they showed a lot of the characteristics in this series that the Penguins showed the last two years while they were winning cups. They they got contributions from unlikely sources. They bounced back after losses. They were resilient during games. And Holtby. And they, and Holpe was terrific. Wasn't he, he stood on his head. You could, yeah, he was really good. You know, the simplistic view would be that uh, he was probably the most impactful guy last year in the seven game <laughs> series because he wasn't very good. Kept giving up softies, right? And this year he was just a rock. And uh, I mean, is I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, finish your thought. I was as, just going to say, you know, the 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 post thing. It's a little bit. In the net instead of on the on the pipe, then right. we're, having a, we're having a different conversation. But it wasn't, and we're not. You couldn't have asked for more exciting hockey. It was down to, I mean, one game for the Penguins. Well, for both of them, really. One game, then down to one period, then down to one goal. Yeah. And the kind of games that I really like, I think it's a great point, Val. I, it was hard, for the most part in this series, to find any room. It was hard to, to generate offense. And yet, last night in particular, both goalies were really good. There weren't a ton of shots, but when those opportunities did come around every once in a while, there were some really good looks by some really good players. And uh, Yeah, Murray had a great night. You can't fault him for last night. I mean, that first goal first was... First goal was really bad, but he, he, you know, you don't make up for that with great saves, but he made a lot of great saves afterward. Hey, Penguins battled. It was physical. Everybody's diving, blocking shots, putting out, doing uh, anything and everything they could. Uh, Matt Murray acknowledged that afterward. Yeah, always, always. You know this group is so, so resilient. So, um, you know, just all about the next one moving forward. We showed that right till the very end. So, um, you know, nothing but pride in here. Nothing but pride in here, but uh, a little bit of an empty feeling because uh, the Penguins, with two cups in their back pocket, wanted another. Here's Chris Letang. In a few years, yeah, we did. We've done some great, great things, but we expect more. So, yeah, no need really to finish that thought. Uh, if Kenny Malkin was among the Penguins already looking ahead, minutes after the 2017-18 season had come to a sudden stop. Sad day it was, but you just look forward. I mean, like uh, a little bit more rest this summer, you know, and, uh, more hard and. Uh, but next year, next year. That's right. A little more rest this summer for all of us. I'll tell you one thing. I'm going to the Pirate game Friday night. <laughs> you going to stand up for Kutch? I might get on a golf course between now and then. You might see some penguins out there. 
That's a good thing, too, for me. Uh, it's uh, going to be a longer summer for a lot of people. Some of the uh, numbers uh, of note, uh, the Capitals reached the conference final for the first time since 1998. I think uh, Doc Emmerich observed that Bill Clinton was president back then, <laughs> last night. Uh, Alex Ovechkin uh, had uh, the assist on the game-winning goal. He finished this series with seven points in six games, three goals, four assists, seven points. He factored in on three game-winning goals in the series. He was terrific. One goal and two helpers. He now has 15 goals and 33 points in 26 career playoff games against the Penguins. That's the most points in the postseason by a player against the Penguins in franchise history. And uh, you want to talk about close? Uh, 32 of 68 all-time playoff games between the Caps and the Pens have been decided by one goal. That doesn't include the ones that were decided, as Game 5 was, by one goal plus an empty net. Mm-hmm. Or two. Um, 14 uh, all-time overtime games, including five of the 11 series clinchers. I know that's technically good hockey. That's the that's my least favorite kind. Those tight games where it goes uh, to overtime. Yeah. I just I get my heart, Mike. I love that stuff. Hypertension. Too. I just can't take it. You know what I else I just realized? We won't get to see Edzo now. He's been in to visit us the last two last two years yeah. in the finals. Not going to see our man Phil Pritchard either. That's right. Yeah. Oh well. He's probably happy about that. Who Phil? <laughs> yeah. Like no, ah, you guys again. Take a break from us for a little bit. I think he's made a lot of friends here. Uh, final shots on goal were thirty to twenty two in Washington's favor. The attempts were sixty two fifty two. Caps kind of gradually built that advantage. It was really tight. I think I made a note about halfway through the third period, the attempts were 39-39, which is a low number, and you can't get any more even than 39-39. Just one power play for each team, and I didn't think that there were a lot of penalties that were ignored. No, neither did I. I I didn't find myself saying, oh, my God, I can't believe they didn't call that, or I can't believe they didn't call that. It just looked like a grinding, physical, but clean, hard, well-played game, Uh, a battle. The whole series was like that. Uh, and uh, last but not least, since Mike Sullivan's finally lost a playoff series, uh, <laughs> I can question him now. Uh, he, he did reconfigure the lines again. He jumbled things up midway through because the Penguins, I thought, after that soft goal allowed by Murray, they were that took a lot of air out of them, and they were back on their heels, and they were lucky the Caps didn't uh, build on the lead at that point, and then Sullivan kind of changed things up, and the Penguins got it back tied uh, in the overtime. Dominic Simone played zero seconds, mm. and Derek Broussard played zero seconds. Connor Sheary played two seconds. That They were a line the, the latter half of the game. How do you play and, two seconds? I don't know. You get out there, you do you a little get twirly. Get back on here. But, I mean, Derek Broussard, zero ice time in the overtime. Unbelievable. It's hard to be big game brass when you're sitting on your ass. Yeah. And, you know, you can say he, it was effectiveness, but then why was Kessel out there? Well, like I said earlier, I'm anxious to see what all the actual injuries to guys are now. Yeah, I'm sure there there are many, but if you're out yeah. there, you're responsible for your play. Exactly, yeah. I just, you know, they made a big deal about getting Derek Broussard, and his, his role just diminished as time went yeah, on. Yeah, what was he, was he center in the fourth line, Mike, yeah. by the end of it? By the end of it, and then he, by the end of it, he was watching. I don't know. That might be a guy I might turn to in overtime. 
And if you're continuing to roll four lines, as he does a lot, then you're not as concerned maybe about pushing the envelope and trying to trying to end it quick as they did. But uh, hell of a run, as they say. Hell of a run. And certainly no reason that uh, there should be any kind of perceived closing of a window or anything like that. They'll, they'll bring the core of the team back, and they'll take another run at it again next year. As long as this core is together, they're going to be a tough out, and nobody's going to want to see them in the postseason. Yeah, I would agree. But, uh, fun while it lasted, I guess. Got to find a way to get Ian Cole back. <laughs> yeah, you know, I think they just got to find a way. I thought the last two years they were, based on the results, I think they were better at knowing, you know, when to hold them and when to fold them, so to speak. Uh, they finished last year with two consecutive shutouts. That wasn't all Matt Murray. That was team defense and team puck management and team decision-making and putting yourself in good positions and, as, as Sullivan likes to say, staying on the right side of the puck and uh, not becoming a high-risk team while you're chasing offense. And I thought this team did that a little too much. It, it ended their season ultimately, but uh, it was indeed fun while it lasted, Val. We're going to talk a lot about the Penguins this morning. Will Graves from the Associated Press joins us at 7.45. Brian Metzer from the Penguins Radio Network at 8.15. And Jason Mackey at 9.15. Derek Smalls from Spinal Tap joining us this morning as well. It's a DVE morning show. Well, he made some of those mistakes, but he also scored the only goal for the Penguins last night. He did, and it was uh, it was the kind, of, uh, the kind of goal that was often scored in this series. It was a long shot from the point that was deflected hmm. by one of the Capitals. I think it hit Stevenson on the way in. Yep. Which was strange because that was, uh, you played the clip from Phil Bork calling out that they had put Latang on the other side so he could get a one-timer. It was a set face-off play, but there really wasn't any traffic other than Capitals. I don't, I don't know if uh, it looked like Jake Gensel was trying to cut across but got there late. Uh, it was a low percentage shot, ended up going in the net. That's, uh, that's what happens sometimes. Boy, they were knocking on the door, though, uh, several times. They were right around the net. Puck was loose, and they just couldn't get a stick on it. Hornquist fanned once. I know he had a, a big yawning cage and just couldn't couldn't get a stick on it. it. It felt like at times that they lacked, I thought, lacked energy, but after they scored that goal, they were buzzing. Oh, yeah. I thought so, too, Val. It, it seemed like they, they just weren't moving their their feet. They just... The, the Caps all of a sudden had all this jump, and the Penguins were just on their heels. Yeah, I thought both teams were tentative early. Uh, Sid may, said the same thing. Maybe even a little nervous. Yeah. The Caps, because they were probably thinking like we were speculating yesterday. Here Let, we go. Let's get it done now, because nobody wants Wednesday. And the Pens, because they were facing elimination, and they haven't done that a whole lot uh, in the last couple of years. But uh, just the, the the ebb and flow, the punch-counterpunch, uh Good stuff. Uh, great playoff hockey. And mm-hmm. no shame losing to that team. That's a good team. Um, it, it, the Pens were the, the favorites. Uh, Caps had more points in the regular season. Pens were the favorites in Vegas. Uh, we've talked a lot about how close these teams are, um, how often they've battled in the postseason, and yeah, maybe it was just Washington's turn. And we talked about this off-air, Mike, but somehow it's been addition by subtraction. They've They've – Taking a couple of stars off that roster, and somehow they they're playing better. They had to move some guys because of the salary cap, and uh, they lost a pretty good defenseman 
in the expansion draft, Nate Schmidt to Vegas. Mm-hmm. And uh, less is more for that team. And uh, they've they've been challenged a little bit throughout the course of the year, and they've kind of had to figure it out as they go along. And uh, they're peaking at the right time. Uh, they they played a, a hell of a series. Let's go Bolts. <laughs> Everybody just immediately started talking about rooting for Flurry in Vegas, and I'm just not going there. I mean, I obviously wish Flurry all the best, but I'm I'm not rooting for Vegas. I don't want to see that. What if you don't want to see caps? your you don't want to see your ex wife do that well? You know what I mean? You don't want you don't want anything bad to happen to her. But he's already had a great postseason. Oh, if he plays the Caps, then yeah, I want him to win. But I don't think that's going to happen because Tampa's deep, and they're scoring on three lines consistently. Well, there's been two huge um, and and unforeseen revelations of character on the part of Washington. Uh, we had talked before the series how losing those first two games against Columbus, Columbus at home in overtime, and that didn't defeat them. It made them stronger. And then I, I just I can't tell you how impressed I am with what they did last night without Backstrom. Well, and uh, without three of their top right. guys. But then I mean, throw Backstrom on top of the puck. Yeah. They, they had already been playing without those other guys. Uh, yeah, and since Holpe's in there, they've only lost two games. I mean, he's... Yeah, and those are, th- I mean, Backstrom, Orpik said he's probably our best player. If he's not their best, he's their second best. And Burakovsky and Wilson are significant pieces to that puzzle. Well, they'll have him and, back. And they just kept going. Yeah, I saw a tweet last night. I don't know if uh, TJ Oshie did this or somebody did it on his behalf, but it was a picture of TJ Oshie with a with a big killer whale jumping over his head that said, Free Willie. <laughs> I think it was Oshie because I think it said "Welcome back" or something like that. They'll they'll have him they'll have him back for the conference final at least till he gets suspended again. Though that's one good right. thing about not having to go to Game Seven. We don't have to see that bleep stirring meatballer back in the lineup. Boy, the <sighs> the, the crowd was really interesting last night too. The place was uh, jumping as as we thought it would be at the start. And then when it was one nothing caps, everybody got scared and got quiet. a little tight. <laughs> and then when the Pens scored, they got right back in it. And then it was rocking the rest of the way. And uh, I don't know how long you guys hung around uh, on the broadcast or you know before the red light was off, the TV was off. <laughs> uh, as as Sullivan was exiting the bench to go shake hands with Trots, people started chanting, "Let's go Pens." Yeah, no, I, I heard that. I didn't catch that. And I heard that. I, the team I, I like went, that. The team went through the handshake line. Uh, and then hung around on the ice and acknowledged the crowd. It was sort of a celebration of the the run, hey. which was most appropriate. And uh, I don't think anybody crowd for, anybody can compl- can complain about what we've had. No, the last few seasons, including I feel, this one. I feel bad for the Penguins who who came to the team this year. It's it's like coming to Rome right after it fell. It's you know they didn't get to experience the the sheer joy that we got to. The last two years with this team. Coming to Rome right after it fell. While it was falling, baby. <laughs> right. It's like, ah, oh, I swear, man. I got a great deal on a awesome. villa. <laughs> it's right next to a volcano, but they said don't worry about that. This this team was absolutely tremendous for two-plus years. Yeah, fun team to watch, a lot of heart. Uh, but not 
above having to do the right thing at least as often as the other guy does the right thing. And I just they, at, at times they, they got a little offense happy and it hurt them on the other end. So maybe lesson learned and then you come back next year and you're a little more focused because you understand now you're not invincible. And uh, there's a reason that the coaches harp on defense as much as they do. And there's a reason Sullivan tells you you can't score your way to a championship. They, I think they kind of lost sight of that uh, at the end of that second cup run, you know, going into this year. They were, um, you know, not that you would expect them to hit the ground in October and be totally disciplined and sound and diving around and blocking shots and doing all that stuff. But it just the, the attention to detail, I think, slipped mm-hmm. perceptibly this year. And everybody can argue about the roster. Should they have traded for Broussard? And did they sign the right guy? Or should they got this other guy? Or, um, I think it came down to their mindset more than anything else. And that was just a little off. And they get an extra month's of rest. Yeah. So they'll be a little more fresh they need coming it. back in the fall. Mike Pursuta. Approaching uh... the first tee from <laughs> Cole Harbor, Nova Scotia. Sydney Crosby. Uh, you were uh, at the game last night, so it's uh, cool to have that perspective because we just watched it from our couch. But, yeah, and I just, um, I, you know, I can't emphasize enough. We're going to hear uh, parts of my interview with Brooks Orpik all day, but the, the relief that the Caps won and the respect for the Penguins was so apparent. That's refreshing. It just, there was no hint of gloating or take that or it's about time or anything. It just, wow, that was a struggle. I could have gone either way. They hit the post. Yeah. God, you know. Well, we'll talk lots of pens today on the DVE Morning Show. Hey, Mother's Day is like an elimination game in many respects. If you screw that one up, it's wait until next year until you have a chance to make amends. And that can be an awfully long wait, can it? Don't leave it up to a break or a bounce. Don't hit the post on Mother's Day this year. Instead, let Pro Flowers make your Mother's Day a celebration. This is the last week you can send 100 colorful blooms with a free glass vase for just $19.99 plus shipping and handling if you use my promo code Mike P. They're not just for mom. Maybe your wife is also a mother. Maybe your girlfriend or your daughter is a mother. Chances are there's someone in your life that deserves the spotlight, the thanks, the accolades, and the beautiful blooms from Pro Flowers. Pro Flowers blooms are guaranteed to stay fresh for seven days, which means mom can enjoy them for seven days. She deserves at least a week's worth of recognition, doesn't she? And you can pick the delivery date of your choosing. That's guaranteed, too. You can even have your gift delivered on Mother's Day. Go to proflowers.com, click the blue microphone in the upper right corner, and use my code, Mike P. That's proflowers.com, blue microphone, Mike P. Mother's Day is this Sunday. Don't forget to show mom how much she means to you. Order today from Pro Flowers. But there's Center 11. It's 54 degrees now at DVE. I'm Val Porter. Threats from eruptions of Hawaii's Kilauea volcano are growing. Emergency officials say earthquakes are rocking the southeast tip of the Big Island at a rate of one an hour. They also are warning people toxic gases spewing from fissures. That's those cracks in the ground can be deadly. Another fissure opened yesterday in the evacuated Leilani Estate subdivision where lava has destroyed more than two dozen homes. All 1,700 people who live in the subdivision have been driven from their homes, and authorities are pleading with sightseers and tourists to stay away from the area. Don't run towards the lava. Not a good idea. Here's the other thing I was thinking yesterday. When that lava cools, doesn't it cool turn into rock? Yeah. So they're just going to have, like, all these people are just now going to have all these rocks, I mean, if your house survived. 
Oh, my God. I mean, look at the footage. They're showing it on the news right now. It's stunning. It is. I mean, that's kind of one of the things that happens when you live on a volcano. Yeah. It hasn't happened in quite some time, but this is just, this is crazy. So awful for those people who live there. Pittsburgh officials say Amazon officials didn't ask much about tax breaks or incentives to open their HQ2 in the area during a 24-hour visit sometime earlier this year. Oh, my God. anyone listening, one of the window washers just repelled right into the window next to us. I thought it was like a diehard moment there. I was going to (laughs) come crashing in here. Is that the SWAT team? Uh, So back to the HQ2 from Amazon. Allegheny County Executive Rich Fitzgerald told the Valley News Dispatch they inquired about bike lanes, coffee shops, commute times, and how many engineers CMU graduates each year. Fitzgerald tells the paper the most recent discussion he had with Amazon officials left him feeling optimistic. When are they going to make this decision? So I'm guessing if they want bike lanes, that's a downtown thing. Yeah. Well, I was guessing it would be along one of the rivers, close to town. Mm -hmm. You know, there's all that space on 2nd Avenue. Don't know when a decision is going to be made. Come on. Quit playing with our emotions here. Let us know one way or the other. (laughs) The father of a local fifth grade boy is battling his son's school over a bullying incident. Brian Upton says his 12-year-old son came home last week in pain after claiming a bully punched him in the stomach while on a Connellsville school district bus. A CT scan showed the boy's bowel had become twisted by the punch and he may need surgery to fix it. That could leave permanent damage. Upton says the school is not cooperating with him regarding the student who punched his son. Well, I think I know the answer to this question, Bill. Do you care about the royal wedding? I do not. I didn't think so. But if you are one who does, you and your friends can have the ultimate royal wedding watch party at a movie theater. Fathom Events has partnered with BBC Studios to broadcast the ceremonies from Windsor Castle without commercial interruption. Harry and Meghan, the royal wedding, will screen at 200 theaters across the U.S., Tickets are available now. Locally, it will air at the Cinemark Robinson at 10 a.m. on May 19th. So go to fathomevents.com if you're interested. God, that's going to be unbearable <laughs> to sit there and watch that. What What is the obsession? I Just because they're royals and we don't have it and it's lavish and yeah. over the top and it's a castle and... Like, did you see the, the the in the time, like in your Twitter timeline, did you see pictures coming out from the Met Gala? Yes. With all those crazy jobs. I mean, Another I guess thing I don't care about. <laughs> right. It's kind of like that, except more traditional. Yeah. Where everybody's wearing the, uh, the Kentucky Derby hats and dresses and looking all fancy and showing up in horse carriage. I do. I am happy for him. Sure. You know, he lost his mom at such a Definitely. young age. Had to grow up without her and in the public eye. And uh, I'm glad for this kid. A Florida woman can finally breathe a sigh of relief after a cockroach was pulled out of her ear canal after nine uh-huh. nine days no. in there. Ah. Katie Holly woke up one morning with a, a weird feeling in her ear. So she took a Q-tip and did a little investigating. <laughs> uh, she stuck it inside her ear and felt something move. When she pulled out the cotton swab that looked like there was a bug leg on it, So she called her husband, who looked inside her ear with a flashlight. He saw pieces of an insect. 
So he stuck tweezers in there and got what he Come could. On. But there was more uh, that had gotten too far inside her ear canal for them to reach. So they went to the hospital. ER nurses used an anesthetic to knock the bug out. And then I would say knock me out. Yeah. I don't. I. I yeah. Um, this is one of my biggest fears. Uh, this is a, does this qualify as a monster inside me? Yeah, I think so. So they removed the rest of it, or so they thought. Nine days later, she still felt like, nah, something's not right here. So she went to a specialist to have a look. That's when she was told the ER nurses were wrong. They didn't actually get all of it. The roach's head, torso, and antenna were still inside, and uh, this guy was able to get them all out. So. Good Lord. Is he, are they sure that's it? There isn't, like, I, other family members of the cockroach? They sent a camera in there to check. Maybe. Oh I don't my. know. But How does that happen? It totally freaks me out. How big are her ears? <laughs> She's got to get that checked. Ugh. She's got, like, Abe Vigoda ears or something. <laughs> How does a cockroach get all the way inside uh, your ear canal? I'm always worried, like, a spider's going to crawl in there and lay eggs. Well, you know, they always have those studies where it's, like, over the... the the span of your lifetime, an average person eats three spiders or yeah. so, you know, something like that. So many bugs. and My thing is, if you never notice it, that's one thing. But if you detect that there's something Ugh. moving around inside God, your ear. Nine days? No way. One time, like right around the time where Billy was shooting his first special, we were doing shows. He had me set up some open mics. I remember he called me Saturday night before the week before his show and he goes billy listen i coming into town i want to warm up i want to i want to get in the gym like rocky and work my hour out in a couple of loosen up uh, dive bars clubs open mics whatever so i i start calling around and i'm like billy i got nothing i i i spent an hour on the phone and i got a dirtbag bar in bethel and a pizza shop downtown like there's nothing <laughs> And he said, well, why don't we just set up a show somewhere? So I set up some shows for him. And one was at Murphy's Tap Room, which is, you know, a, a bar, my local uh, bar in, in the neighborhood I grew up in and a bar that definitely he's familiar with being from Swissvale. So first of all, I called the, the owner of that place and I go, listen, want to do a show there? Billy Gardell is getting ready to do his Comedy Central special. All we want to do is charge $5 at the door. And she said... I'm not charging my locals $5. And I said, why don't you hang up the phone and ask your locals if they'd pay $5 to see Billy Gardell without moving their asses off the seats? Personal. And she called me back in about a minute and she said, all right, we'll do it. (laughs) And, and that night I hosted the show and I could barely hear. Like I, there was, do you have a cockroach in there? I, I, I had no idea, but I had, (laughs) I had, it just was the most, the weirdest feeling where it felt like, Everything I was saying, I could hear back. Like, you know, when you're, you ever done that on the phone where you can hear your voice back? Like an echo, yeah. And then it just stops. Like everything you say, you kind (laughs) of cut yourself off because you can hear it. Well, that's what was happening to me. And then I went to the doctor and they were like, you have 85% blockage in your ear. And they took these little tiny tweezers, went in my ear. It, he pulled out. The, the I this thing I don't know what it was I guess it was just you know earwax gunk yeah Ugh. my leg was up over his head 
It was the weirdest feeling I've ever felt. <laughs> Ew. And then oh. I could hear everything. Everything was, <laughs> was so loud. loud. <laughs> like people were whispering and I was like, keep it down. God. Oh. I mean, I could hear like a, a moth pee on the sun after I left there. It was just, God, I don't know what the hell it was, but it just oh. built up over the longest wow. period of time. And I have, a, I have a weird obsession with using Q-tips. Since then or always? Yes, always. Just oh, always. Okay. I got to stop it because it's a bad habit. It yeah, just pushes it's the, right. it the just stuff down. Jams it in there more. Never anything alive, though. Thank Whoa. God. Maybe it was. Maybe something got trapped in that earwax. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a fossil. All right. Tom Sizemore is being sued by a woman who says the actor groped her when she was only 11. According to the lawsuit, Sizemore inappropriately touched the girl while they shot a scene for a movie called Born Killers in 2003. The suit also alleges the incident left her with post-traumatic stress and drug and alcohol addiction. She's seeking $3 million in damages. Sizemore denied the allegations when it made headlines last year. Salt Lake City Police investigated the incident in 2003, but prosecutors did not file charges. The John F. Kennedy Center for the Performing Arts is revoking two awards it gave to Bill Cosby. The organization's board voted to rescind his 1988, 1998 Kennedy Center honors and his 2009 Mark Twain Prize for American Humor. After he was convicted of sexual assault just last week, Cosby was also kicked out of the organization that gives out the Oscars. Finally, an out-of-control Johnny Depp attacked a crew member on the set of an upcoming film, according to reports on page 6. Sources say the actor got in a location manager's face after smoking and drinking all day. At one point, Depp tried to punch the guy and screamed, I'll give you a hundred grand to punch me right now. <laughs> the alleged fight happened after Depp was told to stop filming a scene for Labyrinth, which is a movie about the deaths of Tupac Shakur and Notorious B.I.G. Film's director denies the story. Brad Furman tells Page Six the incident has been exaggerated and calls Johnny a consummate professional, great collaborator, and supporter of other artists. I think you got too much money if you're offering anybody a hundred grand to punch you in the face. I think so. Although, according to his bodyguards, he's or his former bodyguards, he's hurting for money and is crazy. And <laughs> I did well, there's the story no question the he's crazy. That they had to they had to intervene when he. I assume it was cocaine. Had cocaine all over his oh, face yeah. when they were out somewhere. You're like, hey, dude, maybe clean the cocaine up <laughs> off the top of your nose. You can do it. You you know, you don't have to do cocaine without using your hands. Yeah, you don't have to roll in it. Just <laughs> Forecast today, partly sunny, slight chance of rain, mid-70s for the high today. It's 55 now at DVE. I'm Val Porter. Penguins have been eliminated from the Stanley Cup playoffs. Capitals move on to face the Tampa Bay Lightning. Mike Pursuta's got sports coming up at the bottom of the hour. It's the DVE Morning Show. DVE Sports. Oh, my God, that game was so intense last night. I literally at one point was, like, pulling my hair like, ah! It took at least a year off my life. Fun, though, wasn't it? It was fun. It was Other than the ending, Mrs. Lincoln. Hell of a play. All the way up until Kuznetsov dangled it and put it right through uh, Murray's five hole again. Hey, at least it wasn't high glove side, right? 
Sports this hour brought to you by Ruth's Chris Steakhouse. The Capitals finally slayed the Dragon last night. They finally exercised their Penguins demons. They beat the Penguins 2-1 to in overtime in Game 6 of the Eastern Conference Semifinals. And Washington advances to the Conference Final for the first time since 1998. They beat the Penguins in a series for the first time in eight tries. First time since 1994. Had to go the other way eventually, didn't it? You could say they were due. Look at the bright side. Maybe this means the Steelers will beat the Patriots next time. (laughs) I wouldn't mind that. Hell of a game, hell of a series, and uh, it's been a hell of a battle between these two teams for years now. And uh, that was not lost on former Penguins defenseman and current capital stalwart Brooks Orpik. Obviously, what they've done the last couple of years and then making it this far is is something that hardly anybody does in this this salary cap era. So, um, hats off to them for, for doing as well as they did. And um, for us, really, I think the only thing that was different was last couple of years we had we had super high expectations from from predictions and, and external um, pressure. I think that that maybe affected us a little bit. And this year, I, I think a lot of people were saying that we were going to struggle just to make the playoffs with the guys that we lost. and um, I think it took a lot of pressure off guys, and guys played a lot more free this year. Yeah, when you think about it, the, the Capitals exhibited a lot of the traits that the Penguins have over the last couple of years. And this time they got the break in OT. They got the bounce. They made the play. However you want to sum that up. Yeah, we've been talking about it all series, Mike. Every single game could have gone either way. Yeah, I mean, think back to when this whole Penguins run started with Sullivan. They were they were in a tank. Mm-hmm. They were they were in disarray. They, nobody was saying, uh, "Oh, okay, now they're going to win the Stanley Cup." And then they got hot in March that year, and then they got through the playoffs, and they did it with uh, depth and resilience, and, and guys that hadn't done a whole lot in the regular season coming up big when they needed them, and the stars coming through when they needed them, and you know, so many things have to conspire together for a team. To win, you have to be really good, but you also have to be fortunate at the right times. And uh, I, I, I'm really taken uh, aback by how many times Brooks Orpik kept talking about Tom Kuhnhackle hitting the post <laughs> when he was he was talking to me and a couple other guys after the game. And you know, we're asking what's different this time. How'd the Caps get over the hump? How good does this feel? And he kept, you know, he'd start a thought. And he said, "Boy." Could easily be going to Game Seven. Uh, here's uh, another such example. Yeah, I, mean, I think it actually might stick one off the post. So, um, but like I said, I me mean, that that's when you get that far. I mean, that's uh, like I said, that's that's one post and um, an inch the other way, and we're going to Game Seven. You know, so sometimes you need those breaks. Uh, maybe we didn't get those last couple years, but um, yeah, I mean, it's it's two teams that were for the last couple of years are very evenly matched and I think our approach tonight missing the guys we were missing especially I mean Backstrom's probably he's probably our best player all around so so missing him missing Willie and missing Berkey it was um, we knew we couldn't get in a in a wide open game with these guys and that, that, that would that would definitely favor them and um, we just had to really crunch down defensively and rely on our goalie and the goalie Braden Holtby if you want to pick one guy on each side who was profoundly different last year opposed to this year, it would be Holtby for them, right? Yep. I mean, he was susceptible last year. He he gave up several bad-slash-soft goals that, that impacted that series, which, you know, went to seven games. And 
On the Penn side this year, Phil Kessel, uh, donut in six games, and he had three goals last year. And, do they do they clean out their lockers today or tomorrow? Uh, they're going to announce today when they're going to do it. Take a day off. Um, you know, sometimes that's the difference. It's it's really close, and uh, sometimes the the events take on uh, sort of a life of their own, and it, it it's who gets the break at the right time or who can make the play at the right time. Uh, Orpic talked about how close the Caps had been in losing the last couple of years. Sidney Crosby realized uh, in defeat how close the Penguins had been while winning the last couple of years. You know, it definitely stings, and I think that, you know, you, uh, you understand just how difficult it is and what a fine line it is between winning and losing. So, um, you know, everybody did what they could. Unfortunately, uh, we weren't able to, to get it done. I think you forget, you tend to lose sight of how hard it was after you win. Hey, we're the champs, we're the best, and then you do it again. It's like, yeah, we're we're it. We're dominating everybody. We're rolling through. Doesn't work that way, you know. What was the last uh, playoff overtime goal scored in that barn? It was Kunitz, right? Hmm. In double overtime against Ottawa last year in game seven. That How th- many times over the course of those cup runs, Mike, did we see unlikely contributors or secondary scorers where it would be like Eric Fair would get the game winner, Benino, yeah. somebody, we just did, I mean, Kuhnhockle, that, that would have been it right there. That yep. would have been on the way to. That would have been following the script. Tell that story. Yeah. And, you know, I'll get, just give you a couple more overtimes from the last couple of years. Uh, four to three uh, over Washington in uh, overtime in 2016. That was the Benino goal, right? Benino, Benino, Benino. Amazing. That that saves you a game seven on the road. Who knows what happens in that. Uh, Tampa Bay in 2016, that, that series, they lost the first game. They're down one game to none, and they won game two in overtime. What happens if that doesn't happen? I mean, it's, it's been close, and you, you forget, I think – how close they were to not winning the cup two straight years while they were doing it. So it's it, it's hard to demand that you know it happens the right way for you when you need it to happen every time. And that's good. That's a good Washington team. That's a real good Washington team. And you you know it's it's hard like competitively to be hungrier than a team that hasn't eaten in twenty years. It's impossible, right? And you just had two dinners. Yeah. It's almost I, impossible. I think where we saw that creeping in, and that's you know, I I think that was inevitable at some point that that was going to seep in. And I think where it seeped in with the Penguins this year was just they were a little less adamant on attention to detail. I don't think anybody was floating around out there. Oh, I'm not going to try to block this shot because we've won twice. I'm not going to prepare hard because we've won twice uh the the effort was outstanding it, it's what you would have wanted it to be but it was just a little off and they they played with fire a few too many times with uh <laughs> making it too easy for the other team to score and that's uh a, a, a breakout pass by Latang and Crosby's unable to catch it and Kuznetsov tips it off is unable to catch it cleanly Kuznetsov tips it and then Orloff uh, gets it away from Crosby before he can control it again. 
and the defense is too wide and the middle's wide open. And uh, that was that. Um, Penguins played a hell of a series, and so did the Capitals. You heard uh, Brooks Orpik uh, tip his hat to the Pens. Crystal Tang did the same to the Caps. I think we had a great chance to to to, to do it again. Uh, the team we have, um, the way we were playing, I don't think we got dominated by that team. Uh, but we have to tip our hat to, to that group. They capitalized on the chance they got. They did not get dominated by that team, but it was also a series in which the Penguins kind of stole game one with a, a three-goal third period, and then they lost four out of five. So it's hard to say for, you know, for the past two weeks at least, it's hard to say the better team didn't win, right? Right. God, that hurted to say. Thanks, Pens. For nothing, Nashville over Winnipeg in Winnipeg last night. There will be a Game 7 in that series. That will be on Thursday. Bucks are in Chicago tonight to take on the White Sox. Ivan Nova against Lucas Giolito. Pirates are currently... 19 and 16, two games off the pace in the NL Central. And the White Sox stink. They have the third worst record in baseball at 9 and 23. Thanks, Mike. When we come back, we'll talk with Will Graves, uh, sports writer for the Associated Press. It's a DVE morning show. It's a DVE morning show. I'm Val Porter with Mike Pursuta, Bill Crawford, Randy on uh, vacation. He'll be back tomorrow. Joining us now, though, Will Graves of the Associated Press. Thanks for joining us this morning, Will. Morning, guys. Uh, I I think I can say as a Penguins fan that you know we can't be angry. I I think I'm bummed. I'm I'm just right. bummed that they're done. Yeah, I, but, I think you know I will say this. Um, it it was sort of in this sort of an in, in age where you know people feel that Twitter whatever they just vent immediately when something goes wrong. I mean to hear the appreciation from the crowd last night when the series was over of the fact that this team had gone 37 months without losing a playoff series. It's pretty good. Crazy. It's, it's pretty good. I mean, and, and if Mario and the greatest team in franchise history can lose to David freaking Volek, <laughs> then this team, which is has not that great uh, compared to that team or compared to last year's team or certainly 2016 team, can, can lose to a team with a Hall of Famer and a group that was – just sort of do for one. So um, we are lucky. This, 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 does, this does nothing to mar anybody's legacy. It's just like, oh, that kind of sucked, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's basically all you can say. And we talked earlier. I'm like, this, this was the the like an unbelievable game. It was down to one game. Then I got down to one period, and then it was like it's one goal. And then that's the way it should be, right? When when these guys play each other, it's just. Um, you know, it's weird. They, this rivalry has been sort of one-sided yet compelling at the same time, which is kind of hard to do, right? And I, I think the Capitals did a really good job last night of, of frustrating the Pens. I was just sort of – the thing that I was sort of surprised about was the lack of energy the Penguins had for the first 30-plus, 30 30-ish minutes. Um, even after the Caps got that first goal, there was no response. I mean, the Caps carried the play for the next five to seven minutes before Sully – flipped the lines up, and they got going a little bit. But then that was it. It was a pop, and they got their one goal. And, you know, it, it was just a little bit – wasn't a lot of margin for error for either team. And when you give the puck away 15 times like the Penguins did last night, eventually it's going to catch up with you, and it did in overtime. 
Hey, Will, my niece lives in D.C., and she married a Caps fan. Sorry about that. And <laughs> they were at the game last night, and after I finally got out of the locker room, I was driving home, and I called them up just to give them a little stick tap. And he said, I don't know how to feel. <laughs> he said, I'm numb. I, I know you're a pro now and you don't root, you report, but there was a time when uh, Will Graves was a pretty big Caps fan. Yes. Uh, have you thought about this? what this might have meant to young Will Graves? Um, I, you know what? I've got my, my high school buddies, the guys that introduced me to the game when I was you know, 13, 14 years old. They were text. I called one of them before the game. We talked for half an hour about it. I had my phone blew up at the end. <laughs> um, I'm happy for those guys because they sort of stuck with it. Uh, for me, you know, I mean, the, the Peter Nedved permanently scarred me. I mean, like, <laughs> I mean, it's like I, I'm never, ever, ever. There is never going to be anything the Caps can do that's going to remove that scar. I literally. I mean, I'm, it's 22 years later, or 20, yeah, 22 years later. I'm still pissed. Yeah, <laughs> like, I, like that. That I, my fandom kind of ended in in a way uh, that night. It's at uh, Westfall in 1975 for me, but I feel where you're coming from. <laughs> you know, but it's um, they, they're happy, and the thing is, like, uh, I will say this: uh, they're going to get boat raced by Tampa in the next round. I think whoever won this series was going to have their hands full, and then some. I, I it would it was real hard to imagine the Penguins winning four games against Tampa the way the Lightning are playing right now. So that being said, I, I think as a Caps fan, I, I, you know, people will say, you know, Ted Leonsis was in the locker room last night saying, hey, we still got work to do. I don't think they do. I mean, if they, if they make it to the finals, great. But I, I think considering the weight that those guys have carried for 20 years and really for 27 years against the Penguins, uh, I think the, the, I don't want to say their, their work here is done, but it, it sort of is. I think if they lose in the next round, nobody's going to be viewing uh, the season in DC as a disappointment. Isn't part of this story their intangibles though, from the you know getting off the deck against Columbus and doing the uncapital like thing of absorbing two home overtime losses and then winning four in a row, and then and then not only beating the Penguins but beating them without Nicholas Backstrom, Tom Wilson, and Andre Burakovsky in Game Six and Riding a goaltender who's playing as well as anybody, uh, don't they have a little mojo going all of a sudden? They they do, and in, in in a way, you know, what does Nate Walker know about playoff disappointment? I mean, it's you know, the, it's funny. The Pens, let's remember the Connor Sheary's and the, and the Brian Russ's and the Tom Kunackles of the world in, in 2016. They didn't know about playoff burnouts. They didn't know about. Uh, you know, choke or not getting it done, losing the three-one series against lead against the Rangers, getting crushed by Boston in the in the conference finals. It's the same way for the Caps. These young guys, these rookies they had out there last night, they didn't know any better. I mean, they were playing with house they were playing with house money, and I, I think that you know it is a very un, it is a very uncapital like thing. I mean, not only let's remember in Game One, I mean they blew a two-goal lead in five minutes, and. <laughs> you you could just feel oh here they go again I mean it's just it's and they have they are, have been tough I mean they have also sort of bought into I mean that was a playoff hockey game last night I mean that was a mm-hmm. old school almost looked like out of the nineties which isn't necessarily a good thing but if this that's what you got to do to win it's what you got to do to win sort of I mean the, the neutral zone was clogged all the time there was no space I was stunned at how different it looked from Game Five. Um, but maybe Game Five was the anomaly in this series. It was, uh, and, and I mentioned it very, several times in the stories I've written the last week and a half. Very uncapitals like things going on. 
Although they've tried to blow it. I mean, it's hysterical now to think that Trotz went with Grubauer to start the playoffs. You well, know. it's all part of the master plan to have Holt come in on the white horse. <laughs> it's perfectly orchestrated. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, and, and you know what? I'm glad. You know, there are no, there's no room in the game for the stuff that Tom Wilson does. Um, and so I'm sort of. It was nice to actually just sort of write about the hockey and not all the other crap because I almost lost my mind after the Wilson thing and you know my Capitals buddies saying, oh, that was a clean check. And I was like, if it had been the other way around, if Aston Reese had blown Wilson up, you know, they would have lost their mind. Mm -hmm. Right. So we can – now he's Tampa's problem. I would hope that he's learned his lesson Um, just in general because I think the league just needs to get rid of that stuff completely. Uh, But, look, they've – when you – it's hard to lose nine out of ten playoff series. It's really, really hard. They somehow (laughs) did it, and and they were just sort of due last night, and they earned it. I mean – the Penguins didn't really lose the series. The Capitals led almost double the amount of length of time during the game in the series. So this wasn't like some sort of fluky thing. They earned the right to advance. And it's not it's no shame in the Penguins that they did. My God, they played more games than anybody and won more games than anybody the last two years. This is it's, it's you're not supposed to win three in a row. That's not the way it's built. So just appreciate that it happened. Well, to me, um, Holpe was the difference in this series. And yesterday we talked to Grant Paulson from the fan down there in D.C. And, and one of his explanations for why he's playing so well or why Holpe's playing so well is is because Grubauer has been able to spell him a bit this season and, and he's well-rested for the first time in a long time. Would you agree with that? Uh, I mean, I think that's sort of an ancillary benefit. But, I mean, he also wasn't very good when he was rested. Uh, so it, it's, uh, to the point where they went with Grubauer when the playoffs started. In fact, I think when they won the division title uh, on, on April Fool's Day here and Grubauer got the win that night, I think they won 4-1. I think I wrote, and uh, I know the Caps people wrote, you know, hey, maybe Grubauer is the guy. So, oh, he was great that and, day, yeah. And you could make the, and you could make an argument. I mean, this is Holpe is the Marc-Andre Fleury in many ways for the, for the Caps. And he didn't have it. That being said, you know, he responded. Grubauer lost, but let's be honest, he didn't earn, he didn't earn his way back into the hmm. starting job as much as Grubauer lost it. And, and they hope he did not let this opportunity slip away. And he's been, he's been great. So maybe, maybe sucking early helped. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> no, it's like, I, like in elementary school, it's always, be, always better to get bad grades early in the year and then rally than the other Set way around. Set the bar low, baby, yeah. <laughs> maybe, 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 that's what he's, maybe that's what he's doing. Will Graves from the Associated Press. Will, really appreciate you joining yeah. us uh, through the playoffs. Uh, always always good to have you on. Yeah, thanks, All man. right, thanks, guys. Appreciate yeah. it. Tell 14-year-old Will Graves, congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> Follow him at Will Graves AP. We'll be joined by Brian Metzer of the Penguins Radio Network coming up. Jason Mackey at 915 talking pens. And Derek Smalls of Spinal Tap. Oh, my God, at <laughs> 845 this morning. It's the DVE Morning Show. Hey, Mother's Day isn't just like an elimination game. It's game seven. If you screw that up... It's wait till next year time. You have a long, painful wait to get it right. Don't hit the post this year on Mother's Day. Don't leave it up to a break or a bounce. Instead, let Pro Flowers make your Mother's Day a game-winning celebration. This is the last week you can send 100 colorful blooms with a free glass vase for just $19.99 plus shipping and handling if you use my promo code, Mike P. They're not just for mom. Chances are there's somebody in your life somewhere that deserves the spotlight, the thanks, the accolades, and the beautiful blooms. 
from Pro Flowers. Mom particularly does. Pro Flowers blooms are guaranteed to stay fresh for at least seven days, which means mom can enjoy them for at least seven days, and she deserves at least a week's worth of recognition, doesn't she? You know she does. And you can pick the delivery date of your choosing. That's guaranteed as well. You can even have your gift delivered on Mother's Day. Go to proflowers.com, click the blue microphone in the upper right corner, and use my code MikeP. That's proflowers.com, blue microphone, Mike P. Mother's Day is this Sunday. Don't forget to show mom how much she means to you. Order today from Pro Flowers. In music news, Paul Stanley is reportedly going over his schedule to see when he can join Gene Simmons at one of his vault box set events. So far, Stanley has been conspicuously absent from any of the previous private events, but yesterday he tweeted, You bet I'm going. You bet I'm going! <laughs> I was just waiting for you. Yeah. You wanted to bet. Say it you got to bet. I, th- he, I think he has the same voice Geraldine of Flip Wilson. <laughs> the devil made me buy this dress, honey. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> We're very glad to be here tonight. Randy Bellman and the DVE Morning Show. Five minutes and 15 seconds into the first overtime. Pass for Crosby. At the blue line, lost it. Here come the Capitals. Lead pass. Kuznetsov might have a chance. Walks in on goal. Shoots it. And is it in? It is. Kuznetsov has scored against Murray. And the Washington Capitals have won this game 2-1. to one, And they will win the series against the Penguins as Evgeny Kuznetsov coming right down the alley. Gave a couple of moves. Went to the forehand. He finishes. And the Caps have won it by the score of 2-1. to one. And that's it. And I said to Will Graves, and I think it's a good word, I'm just bummed. Bummed. I'm not angry. I'm not, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just bummed. But we can't complain. Two awesome seasons, another awesome season this year. Just didn't go quite as far as we wanted. No, we have to pretend to have perspective and be humble. (laughs) Well, Bill, I told you earlier, you can still hate the Capitals. Okay. Because I, I really do. Still hope they get swept by Tampa Bay. Yeah, because I'm I'm rooting for that. That's all right. Okay. We'll talk to Brian Metzer of the Penguins Radio Network coming up at eight fifteen. Here's a Channel Eleven Severe Weather Center forecast brought to us by Dormont Appliance. Here's Center Eleven. It's 55 degrees at DVE. The news is brought to us by Channel 11 News on Fox 53 weeknights at 10. I'm Val Porter. New York State Attorney General Eric Schneiderman is resigning today. Yesterday, the New Yorker published a story in which several women he was romantically involved with accused him of beating, choking, and verbally abusing them, usually while under the influence. Schneiderman has been a leading figure in the Me Too movement and in February filed suit against Harvey Weinstein. Schneiderman strongly contested the allegations but acknowledged they will keep him from being able to do his job. So his resignation will become effective about five o'clock this afternoon. In a statement, he said, in the privacy of intimate relationships, I have engaged in role playing and other consensual sexual activity. I have not assaulted anyone. I have never engaged in non-consensual sex, which is a line I would not cross. According to the New York Times, though, two of the women actually sought medical treatment after the alleged assaults. Oh, man. Yeah, a couple of people that I follow, a couple of the journalists said that there was going to be some big breaking story, and I was prepping for the Pens game and for the show, so I was like, oh, man, what's this going to be? And then as soon as the New Yorker, it seemed like as soon as they announced this piece, he resigned. Yeah. It escalated. It was quick. In a matter of minutes. 
yeah. But again, he said it's it'll keep him from doing his job. So uh, we'll see what happens with him. Netflix officials are holding open casting calls at Kennywood this weekend for the second season of Mindhunter. I'd love to be an extra, but I think you kind of have to be available all the time. <laughs> To or be an extra. all day. Right. It's a lot of sitting around. Yeah. Organizers say they're looking for a variety of people to fill background roles on the show. Representatives say they are looking for all demographics and ages. And auditions will be first come, first serve, beginning at 10.30 a.m. Saturday at Kennywood. Whenever Steve Byrne had Sullivan and Son and it, like, the pilot was scheduled to air... Uh, he flew all the guys who opened for him out to L.A. Yeah, you were you were like a uh, just a patron at the bar. Yeah, so so that we could sort of be there eye level to see him experience this this thing that you know when you're when you're recording a pilot you don't know if it's going to get picked up or not. Mm-hmm. And we're out there and we're just you know being the extra milling around in the back of the bar and eating fake popcorn and drinking <laughs> fake beer. Wait, you ate fake popcorn? Popcorn? Yeah. What is it? It's just. Um, it's, I mean, fake beer is like apple juice, probably, right, or something well, it, like that. I shouldn't say we ate it. It was like you're supposed to pretend like you're eating it. You don't actually eat it. It's like you ever. That's s- hard. That's got to be hard to do. Yeah. Because well, how do you, what do you do with it? You put it to your mouth and you take it away. Well, nobody's doing close-ups. That's you're just right. acting, you're not focusing no. on what's going on back there. So it's you're just right. really the motion of it. And you know, we're we're there for like 10 hours one day and we're sitting in the back uh, on one of the breaks and this dude who's uh, you know one of the extras is talking to us about positioning yourself in the industry. <laughs> <laughs> As like, an extra? Yeah, I go, dude, I I don't know if you noticed this, but uh we're extras. The position <laughs> we're in is a bottom. We are we're at the bottom of the bucket. This is not, you know, where you want to be in the industry. So, but it's getting his foot in the door, Bill. But it's it is fun to just, you know, there's those those people out there that are are lifers. That's how they make their living and I'm sure there's people here that are in every single film and they're doing background work and it's, it's that would fun. be cool. It'd be so and cool. plus we're in the union, so we get a higher wage. That's right. But sometimes those shows don't take union people because they get a higher wage. You got to boycott them. Um, did you watch Mindhunter? I watched the first few episodes. You, you, give it a chance. And we fell off. Yeah, yeah, give it a chance. The first couple episodes are really slow. But yeah, yeah that's, you should you should definitely check it out. Like Serena, you know, after she puts the kids to bed, she's almost asleep. So <laughs> she's... yeah, that's definitely one you want to watch when the kids are in bed. Yeah. Uh, then music news: the members of U two are sharing their views on Ireland's abortion referendum, and some pro life fans are not happy. The group last week tweeted an image reading "Repeal the Eighth," referring to the Eighth Amendment of Ireland's constitution, which states it stands against abortion. Some conservative fans said they will no longer support the ban, citing their stance as a violation of their Christian ethics. Meanwhile, supporters said group members were not telling anyone to have an abortion. And finally, one of Prince's private estates is hitting the auction block. The late singer's property in Turks and Caicos will be sold at a private and closed bid auction on July tw- uh, 12th. Potential buyers will need a $100,000 deposit to even make a bid. The 10,000 square foot estate has six bedrooms, six bathrooms, a tennis court, 
two private beaches, and a purple driveway. Wow. A purple driveway. That's so Prince. And two private beaches. Good for him. God, he was so unique, man. I'll say. He was just different. Like I even looked at pictures of him as a young a young boy. You could just tell it's like what what is this dude doing? He's just he didn't fit in ever. <laughs> and he was always he wearing those high heel boots <laughs> when he was a little kid. Say, yeah, he probably wore wedges to grade <laughs> school. He's got those cork wedges and he's just his back is destroyed. <laughs> Forecast today, partly sunny, slight chance of rain. Temperatures a little warmer today, mid-70s for the high. It's 56 now at DVE. Joining us now from the Penguins Radio Network, Brian Metzer. Good morning, Brian. Good morning. Thanks for having me back on. I really appreciate it. Thanks for joining us. You you sound very chipper this morning, despite uh, the bad outcome of that game last night and the ending of the series and, and the playoffs for the Penguins. Yeah, no doubt, uh, Val. As I heard you doing the, the news a little bit earlier, I was thinking, you know, the Penguins might have lost, but at least we don't have roaches in our ears. So that's, <laughs> that's probably the one good thing. And we have, we have nothing to hang our heads about here, right? I mean, the, no. the Penguins gave us a wonderful run, uh, two back-to-back Stanley Cups for the second time in their history. And this team really, I mean, licking the wounds a little bit and recharging and resetting a bit could be what they need. They can get some new faces, some fresh faces, and Come back ready to do it all again next year. And we did knock Philly out of the uh, the playoffs, and and we got a that's a silver lining right. here, right? Of course. I mean, when you get the cross state rival and and you make quick work of them, I know they didn't make as quick work of them as we would have liked, but they still they dispatched them. They weren't happy about it, and you got to give some credit to the Caps here. I mean, yes, they're a big time rival, but the Penguins did kill their other brother from 1967, and and that's a good thing. And we'll see what we'll see what the Caps can do now, right? I mean, to me, this was their Stanley Cup, so I hope that they have the correct mindset moving into the conference final. What do you think was the determining factor in this series, Brian? Um, it's hard to pick just one, I know, but uh, if the Pens could go back and change one thing over the course of six games. What do you suppose that might be? And this is going to sound like I'm ripping on the guy, and I'm not at all. But if it's just, if you're going to put a gun to my head and make me pick, I'm just going to say Braden Holtby outplayed Matt Murray. Just because. I think that's Penguins, fair. Yeah. That good. Penguins weren't able to score, right? And uh, yeah. Holtby bounced back. And, and the difference in the past two seasons, and Mike, you, you may agree with this, Marc-Andre Fleury last year and Matt Murray in 16 probably outdueled Braden Holtby. The Caps had a ton of shots, etc. This year you had a situation where the Penguins led the league in terms of goals or shots against. They think it's 26 and under 27 a game. And just when they needed that huge save, it just wasn't there. He allowed one more goal per game, essentially, when he didn't, you know, he shouldn't have. And that helped the, the Caps get over the hump. So just generally, that, that was it. But you can tie that to a whole lot of team things. But if that, that's my one assessment, I think. Yeah, and tying that to team things, I, I would say to your suggestion, uh, which I agree with, A, I think Holtby was much better this year than he was last year. I thought he was shaky too too often last year in that series. And B, I think the Penguins were too loose. They gave up too many high-quality chances, and that contributed to Murray not being as good as he was last year. Or Florida. Yeah, there, there's no doubt about it. I mean, this Penguins team, and I think I tweeted you about this last night, but when you watched their, their faux pas in the regular season, it usually involved a defenseman pinching a little too much, getting caught up ice, and then a two-on-one going the other way or a breakaway going the other way. And a lot of times it was just a speedy player in the neutral zone that would just get a stick on puck 
kick it into open space. And before the Penguins could react, the puck was in the back of the net because they just went with speed on that two-on-one rush. That's what happened on the overtime winner last night. I think the Capitals did that a number of other occasions in the series. And though they did not allow a high volume of shots, it's, it's exactly what you said. It, it was a lot of high-quality, high-percentage chances against those high-danger chances that they talk about. And when you're giving up two-on-ones and breakaways, I'm not going to beat up a goaltender too much for letting up goals in those scenarios. Yeah, there are some that can make a big save and steal a game for you, but you're not going to get that all the time. I mean, you're putting your yeah. goaltender he in got a really it against, terrible spot. He got it against Verona when it was one nothing. He couldn't get it against Kuznetsov in overtime. Yeah, and Kuznetsov clearly... Uh, has a, a good book on Matt Murray because that's the second breakaway in a couple of games that he scored on him. And, and that's a skill player, too. The biggest drawback with that is we got to see the stupid bird dance again. This guy's doing it like crazy now. Kind of ironic, isn't it, that the only uh, open road without a lot of potholes is the path to the Penguins' net? <laughs> <laughs> well, yes. Uh, I guess we could have even made our way down there at times this season, Mike. What did you think of... Um, the series in general in terms of how competitive it was. I, I was blown away. Uh, maybe this happens to me every year in the playoffs because I enjoy it so much. But I, I thought these games were grinding and physical. And there weren't a ton of chances, but when there were, there were some really good chances. And uh, there were some great goals and some great saves, but there was a lot of tug-of-war stuff going on too. Yeah, how exciting was it too when there weren't there wasn't even a shot on goal, but there were those scrums around the net where pucks were bouncing everywhere. The goaltender clearly had no clue where it was, and that's on both sides. You have skill players like Evgeny Malkin just diving into the fray. Patrick Hornquist, the Caps players were doing the same thing. And in a game like last night, it was so interesting because it was a you know a winner go home for the Penguins, and I feel like. To a certain extent, it was that tip for the Caps as well, because while they would have been heading home for a Game 7... You don't think they they'd have been, been confident? <laughs> no, 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 no. That would have been a very ugly situation for them. Uh, you know, those steps over at the Portrait Gallery would have been waiting for the Penguins fans. But it, it, it just, there was no space. There, were, there wasn't a whole lot of room, and to your point, they really just limited the opportunities both ways. And that was two very skilled hockey teams, and for my money... I was I was really impressed with the hockey once Tom Wilson was taken out of this series because you, you had no silly stuff, no big hits, nothing crazy. It was just these two teams going back and forth and really playing a, a high-level game, even though the chances weren't always there. But when they were, as you said, it was definite high quality, and the skill guys were putting on a show. They just weren't able to cash in all the opportunities the way that we would have liked to on the Pittsburgh side. Where to from here, Brian? Uh, do you think that this uh, this loss in the postseason was due to players not playing up to their ability, or do they need to, to make some personnel changes? Well, I think there were some injuries, too, that we're going to hear about uh, during the breakdown day. I mean, Phil Kessel clearly wasn't right. I'm sure Evgeny Malkin's still dealing with his issue that happened when Yori Laterra fell on his leg. So those two things are going to come to the forefront. And really, I, I have to believe Derek Broussard is still dealing with whatever lower body ailment he had because he just did not look right. He started to look a little better in the last game. Were you surprised then, uh, he didn't play in overtime? Yeah, you know what? Uh, I, I feel like we got a pretty good read on Mike Sullivan as a coach. When he gets down on a guy or he's not thinking that that's one of the players that goes uh, is going as well as he should be, he's just not going to use him. I mean, he's probably not going to ever sit down with Sidney Crosby. But if you're Derek Broussard and you're new to this group and you didn't really produce the way he felt, he's going to make that tough decision. So there's been a couple of moments like that where he uh, limited his ice time late in games when it was really do or die. And that's interesting for a player that we all thought was going to be, you know, uh, a little bit better on the defensive side of the puck while bringing the good offensive flair. So 
for me, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I might look at that as one player that would be an easily tradable asset, especially with his contract being partly held by the Vegas Knights here. You can find a, a taker for him, get yourself a couple of good assets, because it just never seemed to work. Even though they love that center depth, uh, I don't know. that That's one face that you might not see next year. That's just a, an early take from me. And it's always good when you go into an offseason and get a chance to graft on a couple of new faces because the core is going to be intact here. I don't foresee that changing uh, heading into next season. The, the goaltender is going to be the same. But they got to bolster the blue line a little bit, just get another depth defenseman in here. That's one thing that I'm disappointed looking back at the trade deadline that Jim Rutherford wasn't able to accomplish. Not beating him up for it by any means because teams uh, don't make it easy on you. But a depth defenseman to help out that blue line a little bit might have helped the cause. You think they could trade Broussard for Jerome McGinley? <laughs> you know what? Uh, yeah, I, I said this in a text to, to somebody this morning, Mike. Uh, I, I don't know if you always need to go for the big fish. Sometimes a couple of guppies help you better. Brian Metzer, the Penguins Radio Network. Follow him on Twitter at Brian underscore Metzer. Appreciate hey, you joining us. Great season, man. Really yeah, good well job played. all year. Thank you. I appreciate it, guys, and thanks for having me on. Hopefully, can, maybe we can get some summer hockey talk going if you need me, but I, I appreciate you having me today. Thank you. Thank you. Mike Pursuit is up next with more details on last night's Penguins' loss to the Capitals. It's the DVE Morning Show. DVE Sports. I'm Mike Pursuit of Fort DVE Sports brought to you this hour by Sports Clips. It's baseball season. Take me out to the ball game after... Caps 2, Pens 1 in overtime in Game 6 of the Eastern Conference semifinals. The Penguins' run comes to an end. I, I think uh, the way Doc Emmerich phrased it shortly after the Evgeny Kuznetsov breakaway goal at 527 of overtime, the defending champs no longer have anything to defend. <sighs> Going to be a new uh, cup champion this year. Penguins wore that crown well for the past two plus seasons they were a proud champion and last night they were a proud team in defeat here's Evgeny Malkin it's really proud I mean like uh, I can uh, say thank you everyone like and uh, they play so hard you know like it's I see like uh, how many injuries we have you know and uh, how hard like schedule is here but uh, we, we again like uh, we have problem at the beginning of the year but we back to like after like every year we play better and uh, a little bit tough second round but again like uh, it's unbelievable team yeah nothing lost in translation there very proud unbelievable team and tough first half of the year and, and maybe you know that's where the, the bad habits kind of materialized early and then they tried to fix it after January and at times they fixed it very well and at times they looked great at times in this series they looked great but at times in this series they were just too vulnerable uh, to their own breakdowns and uh, misreads and that's what ultimately got them beat in OT it was uh, a hell of a series and uh, one that at times defied description according to the Caps Brooks Orpik we were 1-1 after two and then we probably Outplayed them for the most part for the first two games, and then like that last game that we won at home, they outplayed us by a big margin, and, and we got a win. So, um, I think a lot of the, the, the individual results in the games weren't indicative of how the how the games were really going. And you get to this time of the year, there's so many different variables, and, and you definitely need a lot of luck on your side to to move on. Yeah, how about uh, 
the way it played out. Game two, the four to one Caps win was the anomaly. Three two Pittsburgh in game one, four three Caps in game three, and they scored uh, the game winner with a minute and seven seconds left. Then it was three one Pens with an empty netter, six three Caps with two empty netters, and two to one in overtime last night. Doesn't get a whole lot closer than that. It was nope. Good hockey. Incredibly competitive and combative and combustible and just thrilling stuff. Uh, if you're a it's about the journey, not the destination kind of guy, then you enjoyed that ride. Uh, Mike Sullivan would have preferred uh, a different ultimate destination. We, we just had to have more players playing at their best, you know, at this, at this time. And, uh, you know, as I said, the players, I know how much this group cares. I know how much they try. I see the effort they put in every day. Uh, you know, our coaching staff is, couldn't be more appreciative of, of this group of players for what they go through every day to try to be at their best. And, and so, um, you know, I, I think over the next little while I'm going to have to digest it myself to, to, to see what the takeaway might be. But, um, you know, certainly it's, you know, losing is tough. You know, we're all in it to win. And, and it stings. It stings when you lose. But as I said, sometimes, sometimes you learn more from your failures than you do your successes. Something to chew on as you head to the mm-hmm. first tee. <laughs> Thanks, Mike. Uh, quick sports report here, but we got lots more Penguins to talk about through the rest of the morning. But joining us when we come back, a very special guest, Derek Smalls of <laughs> Spinal Tap. It's the DVE Morning Show. It's the DVE Morning Show. I'm Val Porter with Bill Crawford, Randy Bauman, back from vacation tomorrow. Joining us now, though, a very, very special guest, Derek Smalls, formerly of Spinal Tap. Hello. Good morning. How are you, Derek? Good morning. Well, I'm all right. How are you? Great. Uh, So excited to have you with us this morning. Now, uh, of course, uh, you were known uh, as a member of Spinal Tap, but now flying solo. Why did you wait so long to do a solo album? Well, I kept thinking the band was going to reform. You know, Spinal Tap has broken up uh, so many times and then reformed. It's it's like... uh, but it never is a fight, you know. It was never like a, a lot of name-calling and throwing things because we didn't really have that much to throw. Mm-hmm. Um, it just it was more like a sugar cube that's put in a, a saucer of warm coffee and then a couple hours later it's not there anymore. And then somebody replaces the cube. So finally, after uh, 2009, we played Glastonbury and, uh, Festival in, uh, just outside of London in Wembley, Stadium, Wembley Arena in London. And I thought, well, here we go again. And here we didn't go, and the phone stopped ringing, and, and so naturally, first I called the telephone company, and they said, it's not us, and then I realized, oh, yeah. so I thought it's time. So your single is called Small's Change, uh, the title track. Yes. A beautiful arrangement. Thank you. It's the, the Hungarian Studio Orchestra plays on it, and Steve Lukather, Steve Luca, one of the many legendary rockers who's contributed to this record, along with Steve Vai and Joe Satriani and... Uh, Donald Fagan and David Crosby and Rick Wakeman, you know, it's, it's quite a list. Yeah, it's a, it's like an all-star album. Is that what you intended it to be? Or was it like, I'm just going to, you know, I want a band, but it's better to have these guys because they're superstars and everybody knows them. And how did yeah. that work out? Yeah, I mean, when you're a bass player, you, you're sort of the, the sh- in the shadow 
of uh, fire and ice, as I called them. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted some fire and some ice along with the lukewarm water. A lot of people have grown old with rock and roll, but to get to, get to experience rock and roll that deals with dental, arthritic, follicle, and erectile dysfunctions mm-hmm. is pretty unique. Do you feel like you're filling a void that's, uh, that's out there in, in the rock land? Uh, it's a good question. I feel like I'm filling a much-needed void. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, rock, is, uh, rock keeps you young, but it doesn't keep you from getting old. And that's, mm-hmm. that's what we call in the, in the business a, a, a paradox. And so it's, it's my job, I think, to reflect artistically on what time takes away and what time gives you as the, as the, the, the themselves grow older. And uh, so that's what I've tried to do in this record. So why release a ballad as the first single and not a rocker? Because there's some really good rockin' tunes on this record. Thank you. Well, it's basically just a, a, I thought I needed to tell the origin story of why I'm now standing in front of you solo uh, after all these years in a, in a band. So I thought best to tell the story first and then unfold the uh the hard hardness of the rock as uh, as as we go along uh the second single will be a, a hard rocker for sure yeah but i thought why him why now you know the questions you asked i answered mm-hmm. musically which is the way i basically do everything well almost everything <laughs> so lukewarm water live an adventure in loud music yes. is your tour and uh we see you backed by a full orchestra at each stop that's correct and uh you were set to perform with the pittsburgh symphony yeah. orchestra on june 27th that yeah. show has been postponed yeah well you know uh as as a rocker uh, it's my responsibility to keep in shape so i can uh bop about the stage properly and uh you know uh one of the best ways keep in shape without uh, too much impact is uh, uh walking against water resistance walking in a pool or something yes i don't have a pool so i was i was doing it, i was doing it in a tub and uh i slipped so. oh no i i hope you're healing up well well i hope i am too but uh, yeah that's that's what, what's going on right now well, so well I've got both feet up Good. We'll let our listeners know when that's rescheduled. Thank you. But the record's out now, and we're very proud of everybody who's on it. They they all contributed uh, great playing, great singing. Uh, as I say, Fagan and, and Crosby and all and Wakeman. So we're you know it's a it's a it's a group effort, but it's my record. I wanted to ask you, Derek, at the live shows, do women throw age appropriate garments at the stage now, like Depends or Comfort pullover bras? I, you know, that hasn't happened uh, yet because uh, the first show we did was in New Orleans. It was a fairly large arena, a fairly large auditorium, and so the, it, they wouldn't have reached the stage. But uh, <laughs> I have seen Tom Jones live recently, and I would say that the, the, the time it takes for the, the uh, undergarments to land, uh, <laughs> you, you, you could uh, do a, an entire song. <laughs> So you're on Twitter. How do you feel about Twitter? Because that's uh, that's a way for you to connect fans that is pretty new. Well, the last few years. I, actually, I have a person who's on Twitter. I'm, I, I, I was allergic. I say allergic. I was addicted to the internet, and I had two bouts of therapy to get over that. So, yeah, so I, I can do ten minutes on the on the mobile phone a day, and then it starts making a horrible noise in my ear, which I enjoy, but it's supposed <laughs> to make me stop. Uh, so I, I have a person who does my Twitter. I talk to her and say things, and then she writes them down. But I can't get near the. Uh, if I get down sitting down at the at the machine or at the, at the mobile, I will not get up. Uh, I, I, you know, my my then girlfriend 
said to me, Derek, I brought in dinner. Uh, you were sitting at the computer. And three hours later, I walk in, and you, you haven't touched the food. You, you have a problem. And I said, well, yeah. I have two problems. One is you're cooking. <laughs> <laughs> if it was more enticing, then. Yeah, but, it, but really, it was the truth was I was addicted. Do you feel like you're limiting your audience with the subject matter of this album, or do you feel like young people could use it and learn from these songs? Well, I think young people learn from all, all media uh, because they don't read books. Um, <laughs> and, but, you know, I had a thought when, when I first came up with this, re- this idea for the record. There were only two kinds of people in the world. People who are getting older and dead people. <laughs> so I'm aiming at the more active part of the market. Because, and this is, this is not a, a T-shirt yet, but I think it could be Dead Men Don't Stream. <laughs> I like it. Point. So, um, a, an unfortunate uh, problem that Spinal Tap had: the drummers kept dying. Yes. Um, is there, you know, orchestras have, have percussion drummers? Is there any concern as you go out on the road? Well, that, you know, that might happen. We, that wasn't a problem. That was a curse. I, I, yes. I'm familiar enough with the ways of the supreme evil one to say that straight out. It was a curse. Uh, and I think it was what caused it was the number three. There were three of us main people in the band. Okay. And Satan <laughs> takes the number three very seriously. Now I'm a solo artist. Every drummer who played on this record, we had great rock drummers, Taylor Hawking, Hawkins from Foo Fighters, oh, yeah. Chad Smith from Chili Peppers, mm-hmm. Jim Keltner, Todd Zuckerman from Styx, Greg Bissonette, so forth. Every one of them, after the session, said, I feel better than I ever did. I feel great. So I think it's the curse in reverse. I think so, too. Derek Smalls uh, set to perform June 27th at Heinz Hall with the symphony. Again, that's been postponed, but as soon as the, uh, the new date is scheduled, we'll be sure to let people know. Thank you, and the record's out now, and it's uh, wherever people buy or rent their music these days. Smalls Change, Meditations Upon Aging. Thank you so much. You look great. You sound great. Thank you. Appreciate I, you joining I, us I this morning. I feel great, except for the, for the bit, bit of the accident. Oh. Cheers. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Thanks. Take care, Derek Smalls, uh, formerly of Spinal Tap. Get well Tap, soon. Now flying solo. Don't run in the tub, is my recommendation. Yes. <laughs> Take it slow. Thanks. <laughs> uh, appreciate him joining us this morning. And again, like I said, as soon as that date with the symphony is rescheduled, we'll let people know. The album does rock. Like I said, the the oh, the, yeah. the single release, uh, the first the the title track, very beautiful, but mellow. But there are some good rockers. And some titles we cannot say yeah, on live commercial gonna, radio. I was just going to say that. <laughs> One of the songs I'm looking forward to uh, to downloading, I cannot say on yeah, the Yeah, we can't uh, say that. But research it yourself. I've got news coming up next. We'll be joined by Jason Mackey at 9.15 to talk about the Penguins and uh, their elimination from the Stanley Cup playoffs. It's a DVE morning. There's Central 11. It's 57 degrees now at DVE. I'm Val Porter. George Zimmerman, the Florida man who was famously acquitted for the 2012 killing of Trayvon Martin, has been arrested again. This happened last week. It's for stalking and harassing a private investigator whom he also threatened. Zimmerman was booked into the Seminole County Jail following an investigation into claims made by a private investigator who accused Zimmerman of making threats. Dennis Warren was hired by a production company making a documentary about the Martin shooting. Warren says he stopped talking to Zimmerman when he started to make those threats, but Zimmerman continued to stalk and harass him and the documentary's producer. At one point, Zimmerman suggested he was going to feed Warren to an alligator. Deputies say they've recorded 55 threatening calls, 67 texts, 36 voicemails, and 27 emails from Zimmerman. 
over just a 10-day period back in December. In one of the texts, Zimmerman included a link to an article in which he was quoted as saying, I know how to handle people who bleep with me. I have since February of 2012. Anyone who bleeps with my parents will be fed to an alligator, end quote. Zimmerman has been released from jail on bond. I don't think that's a good idea. I think he should be in jail. He's not well. Yeah. Investigators say a man is accused of taking thousands of dollars worth of sports merchandise from Walmart in Cranberry Township. Police say in one incident, Frank Novak stuffed $2,600 in the, into a tra- uh, of gear into a trash can and tried to walk out. Police think he hit that Walmart three times since November and would stole, uh, sell all the stolen items outside of uh, games in Pittsburgh. Court records show he's been arrested for retail theft in Allegheny County at least nine times since 2009. Americans are becoming more comfortable with owning an electric car. A new survey by AAA finds around 20% of Americans think their next car will be electric. That's a 5% jump from last year. The number has been boosted by an increasing number of charging stations. Most people would still like to see the charging times get shorter, though. I just, I hate having to charge all my electronics. I always forget to do it, and I just don't want to (laughs) have... Dead battery. I don't want to have to think about that with my car. (laughs) Oh, dude, I forgot to forgot to charge it to sit here and wait till i get enough juice to go home having some loser friend try to bum your charger <laughs> can i borrow your charger <laughs> dude this is for your car maybe you should figure that out i i would have i mean it's not like i i wouldn't have an electric car because i'm a speed demon or anything like that or mm-hmm. i think that there's any kind of negativity it's honestly it's almost completely because of the charging thing <laughs> plus then what i mean if you when you go home does it just plug into a regular outlet that's what i'm saying like, i don't know what and what if you don't have a garage what what if you're a street parker you have nowhere to plug you it gotta in. run an extension cord out your, into the right street. <laughs> uh is netflix killing your sex life Apparently, couples are taking the Netflix and chill thing to heart, not the wink-wink Netflix and chill. They're actually doing Netflix and chilling. Uh, but Netflix uh, is chilling the love life as well. A new study revealed people are cuddling up next to their iPads and not their partners in bed. The study found there is a busy hour for Internet use between 10 p.m. and 11 p.m. where people are streaming shows on Netflix and other services instead of uh, getting busy with their significant others. Well, I think the way that people binge watch things, like they're aggressively trying to knock a show out and yeah. not try to, you know, knock knock out anything else. Out. <laughs> yeah, right. It's, you know, when, when you're watching Making a Murderer or yeah, plus, one of those shows. And that's not real sexy not getting either. you in the mood. Yeah. But maybe this can help. In a recent interview promoting a new documentary called The Game Changers, movie director and producer James Cameron said that Eating a vegan diet leads to better sex and went so far as to say he wanted to put Viagra out of business by spreading the word about veganism. The Game Changers is a documentary about a man named James Wilk. He's an elite special forces trainer and winner of the Ultimate Fighter. According to the website describing the documentary, he sets out to destroy the myth that meat is necessary for protein strength and optimal health. So go, I, go vegan. I always like think about it in my head like, oh, that would probably be the healthiest option. But I, I, I'm a I meat could, eater. I could never go vegan. I eat meat 
every single day. I honestly have consciously tried to cut back on our meat consumption. Yeah. Because I'm starting to feel guilty about eating animals. Right. But starting I could to feel bad? Yeah. I could never go vegan. Vegetarian, I could live with. But vegan, you can't eat eggs, butter. Can't eat butter. No cookies. I mean, you have to put fake butter in. I don't you know just what just walk people... around starving all day. Yeah. Just nothing but vegetables and grains. So, I you know, you're milk. healthy, but you're miserable. Right. Exactly. But then I know I know people that have gone vegan and they're like they they're like I feel great because the two I, I've said this before but the two biggest energy zappers are your brain and your digestive system and so a lot of the times whatever you eat your body's like oh my god what is this is this even real food we've never seen this before I ate four pieces of pizza last night. And I had digestion still this morning. When I oh, I up. bet. Ind- indigestion. Dude, I ran that, that half marathon. I had I had two sandwiches right after I finished the race. Then I had half a pizza from Fiori's. I had a cheesesteak. I had chocolate cake. I had spaghetti and meatballs. <laughs> like, what time did you finish I ate running? like an a-hole for the entire day. Okay. What time did you finish running? Like noonish? No, it was early. It was oh, like okay. nine. Oh, so you had a full day. That's not bad. Yeah, but you just ran a half marathon, Bill. Yeah, but it's it's like it's not my birthday so for the rest of the year. You don't eat that way every day. Well, that's what I did the first time I ever ran the half marathon. That's, I oh. celebrated for seven months <laughs> and gained forty pounds. You did not. Yes, I did. You gained. There's 40 a picture pounds? of of Fat Crawford right over there I on don't that window. So I swear. Yeah, I gained a lot of weight. I gained a ton of weight because I was eating like zebra cakes at midnight. <laughs> the wheels fell completely well, off. Get like me, get some reflux and uh, a little hiatal hernia. You'll stop that late night eating. <laughs> Honestly, the penguins not being in the postseason anymore helps. I thought that exact same it thing helps. last night. I was like, all right, it's time for me to get my life together. Yeah. Stop eating like a maniac, drinking. Because I'm so nervous during those games. I, I just and you watch I have it with eat people. the whole time. Yeah. Well, maybe you should try this, speaking of the marathon, when you run next year, Bill. Uh, some endurance athletes are experimenting with marijuana and realizing smoking weed can improve their performance and also enhance that runner's high they experience while out on the trail. You guys getting this runner's high? I mean, I'm actually high, <laughs> but I'm also getting a runner's high. But it seems pot improves both the ability to train and the ability of the body to recover after workouts. Which is what you're going through right now. Yeah. More research has to be done. It does make sense, though, that athletes would be interested in experimenting with the stuff in order to manage the pain. And it's a bonus if it, you know, makes the long training runs a little easier, a little more enjoyable. I it's illegal though, so I wouldn't here. I wouldn't yes, try it. you have to go to California, I guess, mm-hmm. and run a marathon. A woman in Boston has been reunited with her dog after a thief stole her SUV. Rosa Nisi said she left her yellow lab named Chief inside a running SUV while she ran into a convenience store on Sunday. When she came outside, a thief had stolen the vehicle with the dog inside. Nisi said she was devastated because Chief has been her companion for quite some time and has helped her through difficult times. 
Chief was found in the stolen car in a nearby cemetery. Police say the 50-year-old suspect has been taken into custody. Longtime E Street band member Stephen Van Zant is now a proud member of the New Jersey Hall of Fame. The guitarist, actor, and social activist Boss Bruce Springsteen made a surprise appearance at Sunday night's ceremony at Asbury Park's Convention Center to introduce his friend and bandmate. Other performers inducted over the weekend included Frankie Valli in the Four Seasons and Blondie singer Deborah Harry. Uh, forecast today looks like it's going to be not too bad, partly sunny, slight chance of rain, mid-70s for the high today, so not a bad spring day. It's 57 at DVE. I'm Val Porter. Uh, play a quick song here, and then we'll come back with Jason Mackey from the Post-Gazette. Talking pens, it's a DVE morning show. It's a DVE morning show. I'm Val Porter with uh, Bill Crawford. Mike Pursuta, Randy off one more day. He'll be back from vacation tomorrow. Joining us now, Jason Mackey from the Post-Gazette. Jason, uh, your summer just got a little bit longer. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you're I happy about that. I celebrated publicly, but I do get to be a human for a little bit, although it would have been fun to keep covering them, that's, that's for sure. Do well, you exhale like we do a little bit? Like, Is there that sense of relief that uh, you might get to bed at a decent hour? <laughs> no, I don't. I, it's weird, man. Like, it's just such mixed emotions. It's sort of like being on the road and you, you experience this, like you're away from your family and in a really cool place. Just like, right. you know, you're, you're excited to like have a summer, but at the same time, I mean, the most fun, fun thing we do is cover the playoffs. So I don't know. I'm just a, a bundle of mixed thoughts this morning. As we all are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Jason, we had Brian Metzer on today. I asked him the question I'm about to ask you. If you have to boil this down to uh, one overriding factor caps one because blank the penguins didn't get enough from everybody they were too much of a one-line team for too long this series you had too many passengers um i think what i'm saying is all the same thought mike sullivan kind of alluded to it last night when he said we didn't have enough guys playing at their best right now and i think Mm -hmm. i could interpret that as meaning kessel broussard rust sherry i mean basically everybody outside of Sidney crosby's line even if kenny malkin i thought was you know okay by his standards but i just thought the capitals had more depth um you know they were more diverse and if i had to add kind of an honorable mention mike i guess i would say that Braden holt was the better goaltender than matt murray chris letang took a lot of heat after game five for his mental lapses um what do you think about his play in the playoffs and was he redeemed with that goal last night yeah i mean that was it was a really big goal last night i don't know if it was completely redeemed just because the result didn't match but um, where I'm at with Latang, I mean, it, obviously it was up and down, um, but I feel like we see that regularly with him. And if we're going to continue to freak out about every time he has a bad game or makes a boneheaded play, we're going to be here for a while. Um, I, I think the Penguins would love to have him sort of iron that stuff out and be a little bit more consistent. But beginning of the season, they went after Chris to kind of tone it down and not take so many risks. And I, I legitimately think that screwed him up mentally. I think he was better when – he just started kind of taking some of the risks, and, and you got to live with the good and the bad. And So, you know, I thought he was really, really good at times, and I thought he was really, really bad at times. I, I, it was wildly inconsistent, but again, we've seen that a lot from him. What do you make of Dirk Broussard not playing in overtime? And uh, is that just the way things kind of degenerated here at the end of this season and with his transition and his injury, or have they decided this is not a fit? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's something they're going to have to answer over the next couple of days. And I think, you know, based on his salary cap or what else they have, and um, by that I mean they have a young kid named Adam Johnson in the minors. Not that he's the next Derek Broussard, but I mean they have a, a young center that they feel strongly with. And, um, you know, what are you going to do with Riley Shane? And there's some questions to answer with their bottom six. And, Mike, what I make of him not playing in, in overtime is he was their fourth-line center. You know, by results and, and by effectiveness, he just wasn't good enough to be on the ice regularly. Or, you, you or could didn't argue, find enough of a fit. You could argue Kessel wasn't either. Yeah, that's very true. That's very true, and that's something else we're going to have to deconstruct about this offseason. Well, that, you know, I, go ahead, Val. Sorry. No, that leads me to uh, a question when you bring up Kessel. When are we going to find out about all the injuries these guys have been yeah. plagued with? Yeah, I think tomorrow is going to be breakdown day, and so that'll be I, – I really hope he talks. Um, you know, I was hoping he talked last night. He didn't, but um, if, if he's not hurt, oh, boy. I mean, I've had a couple of people tell me in the past couple of days that like they didn't think he was injured, but I'm watching him, and uh, you guys are watching the same stuff I'm watching. That doesn't look like a healthy player. Um, so that's you know probably um, – what day is it today? I don't even know. Tuesday. So I guess when <laughs> that's where I'm it's at. The first day of summer, cuz. Oh what, man. What are you expecting uh, the injury to be? Ruptured spleen, shattered pelvis, two broken wrists. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I. You know, to me, when I watch him, it looks like something in like his core, midsection, rib, something, because he just looks so hesitant at times to shoot. You know, almost like he doesn't want to put the torque on his body. And sometimes he doesn't even need that. Like, he'll, he'll just flip the puck with his stick. And so that's what, you know, I, I guess either wrist or that. But I just I feel like it's probably something in his core. The other thing with Phil, too, I, I know we're all excited to find out what it's going to be. He's not exactly the most media-friendly player we can all deal with. I'm not sure he's going to sit there and go over the specifics of his injuries, as much as we all would want to, and I would love that. Jason is the intrepid beat guy that you are. I hope I don't put you on the spot here, but uh, never, there, Mike. Are there a couple three? Uh, this guy might be gone because of contract, uh, things of that nature. What, what do you see in terms of potential change or, or decisions that they'll have to make? I could see them moving on from Broussard. Um, I just don't think the fit is there. I think they hoped that it would be, and. You know, like if I bring up a guy like Matt Hunwick, I mean, I think they would absolutely like to move on from Matt Hunwick, but how marketable is he to other teams? And my answer would be not very. Well, they traded Rob Scuderi. That is true. That is true. Call the Blackhawks, baby. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Stan, what are you doing? You want to play some golf? (laughs) I still don't know how he pulled that off, man. But, uh, you know, I could see them moving on from Hunwick if they can. Uh, but I said all that to say that if it, you know Broussard wouldn't be hard to to flip to another team and and maybe open up that spot. I could see them reevaluating that. And you know I don't want to cause the, like the the, the four alarm fire that was last summer with moving on from Phil Kessel. But you know the guy is getting older. He's coming off a career year. He's got a hefty contract. He's got four more years on it. Um, if you got an offer, I, I I would feel like you would have to entertain it at least. Reasonable expectation is the majority will be back. The core will be back. Yeah, the core would be back. I, you know, I, I saw some stuff on social media about Latang last night. I no, <laughs> take it easy. Um, you know, maybe they look into dealing like a Jari or a Sprong or something. Maybe that's coupled with a Hunwick deal. I, you know, I, I don't consider those major moves. I mean, they're not trading Sid, you know, Latang, any of that crap. And um, yeah, I mean, other than that, you know, like I said, maybe explore in Kessel, but I don't even know if they want to go there. They like him. 
do you think they, if they slipped at all, if there was any sort of, uh, we're the two-time champs, so we're going to take our foot off the gas a little bit, easing into their operation, it was the, the attention to detail and the focus on structure? Yeah, I think there was some of that, Mike. And, and I think where we saw that is, you know, them needing to conjure up something really, really big last night. And at the start of the game, they just didn't have it. And, you know, I think it's tough to fake that stuff and where they've been and whatever. And it's just with Washington, they've been so tortured in the playoffs. Like mm-hmm. their eagerness is just genuine. They've got a bunch of young kids. I like their team a lot, too. They've got a bunch of young, hungry kids that are looking to do this. And, you know, so I think there's some genuine motivation there. And the Penguins, I mean, they are, but in the back of your mind, you're thinking, or you have to be thinking, man, we've played, what, 307 games or something like that over the past three seasons. You know, <laughs> we've been to good places. Boy, would that long summer be nice. So I, I think some of that just, you, know, you can't you can't fake that stuff is what I'm getting at. Yeah, that that's kind of what I was saying earlier. It's hard to be hungrier than a team that hasn't eaten in – 20 years when you've just been eating at a buffet every single day for two years. Right, I know. Yeah. I mean, you can you can human nature. You might like the fried chicken, but I mean, you're still... How much fried hungry, chicken can you eat? <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. We just, we just found the answer to that question. I thought it was rhetorical all these years. Jason Mackey from the Post-Gazette. Follow yeah. him on Twitter at jmackeypg. Hey, hell of a season, man. Thank you uh, for so much time that yeah, you've uh, given us, and really, uh, yeah, really appreciate every time you your game. Did, your game didn't slip. <laughs> thank you, and thank you so much for having me on. I love listening to you guys. It's always an honor when you ask any time. Love doing it. Appreciate so thank it. You. Thanks, Jason. Uh, Mike Pursuta coming up next. That guy can write a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's a core. He's, he's part of yeah. the winning. Yeah, he right. is part of the core. Not, he's not going anywhere. Uh, so we'll uh, talk. Well, you never, based on his history, he could be going somewhere <laughs> in five minutes. <laughs> More details. It'll still be in town. That's the good news. That's right. Uh, We'll talk uh, more Penguins and Capitals coming up next. It's a DVE Morning Show. DVE Sports. I'm Mike Pursuit of Fort DVE Sports, brought to you this hour by Caseta by Lutron Smart Lighting Controls. Penguins season came to a sudden halt last night in overtime. Evgeny Kuznetsov on a breakaway at 5.27 of the extra session. Caps 2, Pens 1 in OT in Game 6. Caps 4, Pens 2 in the series. Both coaches getting a little philosophical afterward. Here's uh, Mike Sullivan on the end of his team season. The first time a Sullivan Penguins team has ended a season with something other than a Stanley Cup parade. Well, I think sometimes we all learn more from our failures than we do our successes. And, you know, I think I think this group knows how hard it is to win in the playoffs. You know, all the, all the teams are really good. And there's a fine line between winning and losing. And, uh, you know, we haven't tasted this in a long time. And, and that's a credit to the group of players that are in that dressing room because they've been a hungry group and... They've accomplished so much, and uh, I couldn't be more proud of them. There's uh, a lot to be proud of, but uh, it's amazing. Uh, we were just talking before the break. It's coincidental, I should say, that we were talking before the break about being hungry, and, and Sullivan credited the Penguins for being hungry 
through the second round this year. I think effort-wise, it was there. I, I think preparation-wise, it was there. I think through the execution of their games, they kind of got off the tail. And just little mistakes. Uh, look at that that series-winning goal last night. Uh, uh, we saw a bunch of stuff that we saw all season. Crystal Tang throws it hard up the ice for Sidney Crosby. Crosby can't catch the pass cleanly at the opposing blue line. He gets a poke from Kuznetsov and a sweep by Dmitry Orlov as he tries to recover the puck. So turnover at the other team's blue line. Those are usually bad. Had too many of those this year. Brian Dumoulin's up way too far on the play, and both he and Crystal Tang are too wide on the play. They're outside the the uh, offside faceoff dots, too close to the boards. There's a gaping hole down the middle. That happened too often this year. Ovechkin flips it up to Kuznetsov. Odd man rush, in this case, a breakaway. They they didn't make it hard enough, consistently enough, on opponents to score. And as you get deeper into the playoffs and the goals become more precious, you can argue, was it lack of secondary scoring or were you making it too easy for the other guys so that you needed the secondary scoring in the first place? Tomato, tomato, right? Yep. Um didn't get it done. Uh, the Caps, conversely, got it done where they uh, have rarely gotten it done before. And in the case of Alexander Ovechkin going to the conference final, where they had never gotten it done before. Here's Barry Trotz talking about how Washington was able to do that this year after so many postseason failures. They continue to have these experiences, good or bad. And, you know, we've had some bad ones. Uh, some more painful ones, and it's made us stronger. I mean, it, it, it's, it's not about – I think toughness is more about getting – you get knocked down, are you going to get up again? And this group got up again, and that's that's where we started uh, when we started this journey, you know, training camp. And we had to back off a little bit and let them heal a little bit, and then we we got it together. And it, it, a lot of it comes from the, the – you know, the sort of the pain and suffering of the past that, that has made them stronger and more resilient and more determined and more committed and more focused and whatever it is, it did it. Boy, my hate, hate towards Barry Trotz really hit a growth spurt in this series. <laughs> Why is that? I really don't care what Sully said. That? His, his defense of Wilson, that comment right there, and then him trying to say Gensel should be suspended for his hit on Carlson. I just I don't uh, think he was serious about that. It's like, dude, go back oh, to I Manitoba. Was, you I left your neck about there. Gensel? Absolutely serious. Yeah. Really? Well, Which is laughable. Is it? Yes. Okay. Because Gensel hit their guy? No, because Gensel wasn't even tall enough to hit him in the head. Well, he I, knocked the wind out of him. I saw one replay of it from behind Carlson so I couldn't tell where Gensel hit him but I definitely saw Carlson's head snap back and his helmet shift on his head I mean I just, is it not worth well, looking okay, at okay but what if a is guy it, no, is it not worth looking at when you bitch about every hit that they put on you now all of a sudden the, the table did, can't be turned did they look at Oshie's hit break on Latang at the end of that game where he left both his skates the, the first jaw. hit the first hit of Wilson on Dumoulin they did nothing they didn't yeah, they no did, penalty they, they didn't, didn't look, look at it, it because nothing Doom, no, they looked at it they said Dumoulin turned into it the league looked at it yes the league looked at it but there wasn't okay, a hearing well, I'm mistaken there wasn't a hearing and there wasn't any hearing or nobody looked at it when Oshie hit Latang at the end of that game where he launched. 
and no, hit them high. No, there was not. There was not. Well, as usual, the NHL is inconsistent. And were people here in Pittsburgh yeah. bitching about that and saying, oh, he should be suspended? And Yeah. We right. weren't saying that. No, you weren't. We're, no, we're getting a little off point here. You were talking about why you hate trots. Hate trots. Hate them. Well, his, his point about the Caps' mental toughness, I think, is well well founded. Uh, they grew from the postseason failures. Uh, they grew from losing the first two this year to Columbus. They grew from uh, giving away the first game against the Penguins, and uh, that growth was evident last night. Uh, they were able to play without three of their top six forwards and still win the game, and uh, Trotz attributed that not just to mental toughness but also to structure. I thought we had a real good game plan uh, going in. We knew that we were missing some people. We may have some matchups that may not be favorable. Um, that we have to really play systematically. We have to be really smart and detailed. Um, I think we had a good plan coming in, and, and the guys believed in it. They stuck with it. We didn't get a lot, but we just stayed with it. And uh, Obviously, we were patient and got the first goal, and, and it was getting pretty quiet in here. And then, obviously, they, they got the goal off the, off the face-off, off of a deflection off our own player. So... Uh, we had to scr- not scramble, but we had to. We knew there was going to be a surge, and we, we managed it uh, well. We got a couple saves when we needed it, and then we pulled it back. I thought we pulled it back, and uh, in the third, I, I don't think we had any doubt that we were going to win that game. And that's the last element: belief. You know, all that's going through mm-hmm. some tough times, um, getting it together again, getting off the deck, and then succeeding when you weren't necessarily expected to at the start of the season. And uh, winning through discipline as well as through skill, and then playing with confidence. It sounds a lot like he's talking about the 2016 Penguins, doesn't it? It's the way they looked when they played them last night. Just protected that crease. I think Tampa's going to beat them, but I also think Washington's got something going on. And I think one of two things is going to happen here either they're going to exhale and say, we finally beat the Penguins. Put the banner up. Everything that happens from here is gravy. Doesn't you know? We we third we, round. We made it. We slayed the dragon that we had to to slay. Or they're going to say, "Hey guys, look what we can do. Why stop now?" And missing key players. Yeah, I don't know. He wouldn't talk about whether Backstrom's coming back or not. Uh, Wilson's coming back. His suspension's over. Barakovsky's out. Well, right? he's, he's, he, he has started to skate again on his own. Um, he's probably a maybe for the Tampa series, the latter stages of it. Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't count them out. I mean, when you steal the soul of the back-to-back Stanley Cup champs, there's a, there's mojo associated with that. Got to be, right? Still hate trots. <laughs> hate them. I really don't care what Sully said. Nobody cares what you say. <laughs> Go back to Manitoba. That's where you left your neck. <laughs> I, you, I felt good for Brooks Orpik last night. It was good catching up with him a little bit. Yeah, I still like him. Still um, a fan. Matt Niskin in. I know he hit Crosby a couple years ago, but uh, he was a good penguin. I respect his game, man. He, those guys defended the crease with, yeah. the, with their life. Ran into uh, Todd Reardon, who's uh, one of their assistants. He used to be an assistant here. They're, they're people, too. Yeah. I'm still cheering for Tampa Bay, though. Me, too. Over the Caps. Hard? Sorry. Like, yeah. 
I want that to um, I'll. I won't watch probably the entire game, every game, but I'll definitely check it out. When they score a goal, you'll be like, yeah, take that, you son of a... <laughs> you never know. <laughs> we'll see. If JT Miller scores it, I'll yeah, get that hype. Yeah, sure. Hey, you know, it's not going to be a three-peat, but... Um, Good season. There, there's no window that's closed or anything like that. It's, uh, it's a bump in the road in the grand scheme of things, and... There's no reason they can't get it together and contend again next year. None. Thanks, Mike. It's the DVE Morning Show. Five minutes and 15 seconds into the first overtime. Pass for Crosby. No. At the blue line. Lost it. Here come the Capitals. No. Lead pass. Kuznetsov might have a chance. Walks no. in on goal. Shoots it. And is it in? It is. Kuznetsov has scored against Murray. And the Washington Capitals have won this game 2-1. to one, And they will win the series against the Penguins as Evgeny Kuznetsov coming right down the alley. Gave a couple of moves, went to the forehand. He finishes, and the Caps have won it by the score of 2-1. to one. The end. Oh, I could go with never hearing that audio ever again. <laughs> Uh, What a great season from the Penguins. We have nothing to complain about. We've been uh, pretty fortunate in this town to have a lot of championships. Very very well said, and that's a healthy perspective, though. Well, you know. I don't know know that it's going to resonate with anybody. but One that I'm pretending to share. (laughs) You know, I was... Act humble, everybody. (laughs) I still am bummed they're, they're not moving forward, but... What are you going to do? You can't Moving win forward. You can't win every year. I mean... I know, but I was starting to feel like we could. You know, two in a row in the salary cap era is a phenomenal accomplishment. Yeah, see? Three is almost the, Unheard un- of. the unreachable star. Right. I mean... And we're... we're and I'm, I took a pretty good run at it. I mean... Oh, yeah. You know, six game in the second round. It's... And I'm well aware, too, that we're just... We're watching greatness. And, you know, what Crosby and Malkin and these guys are doing is just legendary. Like, think when we think back on the on this back-to-back cup champ team 20 years from now, we're going to be like, oh, my God, those guys. Yeah, might not be done yet. No, if they keep the core here, they're a couple pieces away at all times. If we just get a guy like Broussard. No, wait a minute. <laughs> That didn't work out. Then they just they signed um, Hornquist to a, a, a an extension. Yeah, yeah. the season, so he'll be back. Love well, Horny. Uh, yeah, him and Hagelin, I really like. Um, so the team breaks down tomorrow. Uh they were going to announce today when when they're going to do that. Presumably, we'll we find, find out. out who uh, who passed away and played through it. Yeah. <laughs> All the injuries that, that come is, out. That is the tradition. This is why I love hockey, though, because no matter how clean-cut these guys are at the beginning of a run, at the end, they all look like a shipwrecked crew of the deadliest catch. <laughs> I mean, these guys, th- these hockey playoffs just beat you up. And it was some good hockey. It really was. It was really good hockey. Thanks to Will Graves, Associated Press, Brian Metzer from the Penguins Radio Network, Jason Mackey uh, from the Post-Gazette, and thanks to uh, Derek Smalls, from Spinal Tap, who joined us this morning. He's got a new solo record out, Small's Change, and uh, set to play with the Pittsburgh Symphony. Uh, it was supposed to be in June. The date will be rescheduled.
So we'll let people know whenever they reschedule that date. It's going to be hard to headbang for a lot of people out there that are experiencing male pattern baldness. <laughs> but if you have a wig, maybe you can wear that to the show. Uh, Michelle Michaels is coming up next. I think Randy's back tomorrow. We're not, I mean, he's scheduled to be back tomorrow. We'll, fitty, see, if, fitty. we'll see if that changes today. Hopefully the cabs and the Ubers are on time. Michelle's up. up. Uh, Michelle's up next with the electric lunch at noon on DVE. I'm finished. You stay classy, Pittsburgh. Don't touch your face. I got him dead, Pittsburgh, all day, baby. For now, you guys call me Ronald. Would you not eat my pants? Ronald. Ah! Mm-hmm.